welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 282. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back to August 16th of 1999 for the go-home raw ahead of the SummerSlam taking place that year. And my goodness, could they pack a lot of content into a two-hour show. This is... It's so dense. I, I felt like I had watched three episodes and I was like 25 minutes into the show. I remember specifically pausing at 17 minutes and looking at my notes and being like, I already have like four pages of notes here and it's only been 15 minutes of this show. What is going on? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what's going on. It's Well, it's about the last and, month of the Vince Russo era, but it's certainly the Crash TV time. And if you are a big fan of Triple H's solo music from the DX band, you're going to get ah. a lot of it on this show. I think it's his best entrance theme. But anyways, that's a discussion for <laughs> later. Uh, we went back and watched this because this is a wrestling review show. Each week, DP and I get together and we watch an event we agreed to, wa- to uh, watch the week before. It's the Oprah's Book Club for Wrestling Nerds. For any and all information about the show, Please visit goldenagepodcast.com. Uh, you can also keep up with us on Twitter at GrappleCast. Um, search for us on Facebook. There's plenty of ways to get in contact and reach out to us. Make requests. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Say mean things about DP. Whatever your tickles your fancy. That works. Yeah, absolutely. Get a hold of us. You can do so on either of those places. Pretty easy to get a, get a, get at us. Absolutely. Um, but, Tony, before we can uh, dive back to the world as it was back before the turn of the millennium, we need to talk yeah. about what's happening 22 years later in the modern world. So let's do it in the Sid Vicious Dishes. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. No, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, what do we got this week? DP, this week we were live for the first edition of All Elite Wrestling's Friday Night Program, Rampage. Yeah. Um, You know, a tight little hour of pro wrestling, which, as (laughs) usual, was wildly popular amongst everyone, (laughs) pretty much, that watches wrestling. I don't know why they can't get the hint, but, you know, here we are. No, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I was curious with the the late time slot that they're at. If we see this show kind of su- subtly moving into almost purely doing West Coast like airing like arenas, because it's like it just makes more sense over there than like mm-hmm. all right, let's all pack up. We got you know we got to get there at forty five minutes before the bell rings. So nine fifteen, we got to be walking in the door. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't just a feeling out process and sooner rather than later. 
Maybe they slip to eight or nine o'clock. I could see something like that, I guess. We'll see what happens. That, but know. anyways, that's a discussion for another day. Today we want to discuss the debut, you know, thoughts, opinions, <laughs> fallout. I mean, we talked a little bit about it in current wrestling, how they, they somewhat have overlooked the promotion of this week's episode of Rampage in the past, like, three <laughs> weeks until last week on Dynamite. Like, last week on Dynamite, they, they did yeah. a good job of building up exactly what we were going to see on this Rampage show. But before that, it was kind of just all about the last dance in Chicago and selling them damn tickets. I was so confused. That's why I was texting you during Dynamite last week, because I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I thought the first Rampage was in Chicago, because the way this company has been talking, that's what you'd think. But anyways, here we are. It's a debut episode. Excalibur welcomes us to the arena with his additional three members of the commentary team. Mark Henry, Taz, and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, baby! Lots to unpack here. He had Um, a lot of energy off the bat. Like, I was just... I thought it was funny, because that was kind of the, the... overarching uh, criticism that I had seen of Jericho leading up to the show is people were worried he was going to be too yelly. And I just felt like he saw that was like, fuck you. I'm just going to do it right off the top and just go nuts. And, and he did, which was, it's fine. That's what he does. I think he brings an energy to the show that I I find good for the most part, but yeah, I could see where the people that were upset about it had all the excuses to continue to be upset about it as the show began. Yeah, I also feel like, and hopefully, you know, he'll get more comfortable as the weeks go by, but, you know, I don't know how, how Mark Henry, how much that helped Mark Henry, you know, like Jericho maybe yeah. being almost too kind of overpowering. I could see that. Maybe that There's, hurt him. Because I had sent you, I think, I, was, I don't know if I sent it to you or to Sean, but I was explaining right. that, like, for Mark Henry, it felt like, I was just like, he just seems like he's just a little bit behind at certain times, or just the, because right. of the speed of his speech. In, you know, he's got that sort of southern accent sort mm-hmm. of like speed that mm-hmm. when you have guys flipping around the ring in Excalibur trying to like break in and, and say move names, it's just like it's hard to keep up with when you've got a long point to make. Yeah, yeah. And Jericho definitely needs to calm down. Like you said, I don't know. It's tough <laughs> to say because you're right. It's it's energetic, but man, it's also a little overpowering. He's pretty much a one-man announced team. When, so. when there was no crowd, it was fantastic because we needed somebody giving any right. sort of energy. But when you have True. the crowd that's going nuts, it does kind of feel like he's almost faking that the crowd is louder than they even are when right. he's just screaming all the time. Yes, very good point. But we waste no time getting to the action here. The opening match is your Impact Wrestling World Championship bout. <laughs> I think it was John Pollock just said he was like, for anybody that was like just watching SmackDown, heard that, oh, that other company is having a show tonight and just tuned in. And they're like, the first thing they see is, oh, the Impact Wrestling Championship is being defended <laughs> on this AEW new show. What is happening? He's like, that would be the most confusing fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. If you are someone that doesn't keep up or, you know, kind of has your head in the sand a bit when it comes to the current state of wrestling. Yeah, that would be confusing. Uh, but Christian Cage. Gets the victory over the Impact Champion Kenny Omega. Yeah, uh, really solid action match. here. What's that? I said in a hell of a match. Like these guys, I knew oh, that Christian yeah. would work well with. You know, just in what we've seen of Christian since he's returned, it's clear that like mm-hmm. he has at least the ability to to have that chemistry with guys and just have a fucking solid match. And Absolutely, I've enjoyed basically everything I've seen of him in the ring. It didn't mean that I necessarily wanted him to be going for the title at all out when I was, you know, teased with hangman. But at the yeah. same time, having seen this match, it does make me more excited for the next match 
because sure. I thought they did a really good job of building everything up. And I thought the finish was fucking fantastic with the like the doing that the unprettier onto the goddamn uh yeah, chair, well, yeah, which, the young, think, yeah he prefers yeah, the, the name kill switch now but yeah don Callis is on the apron distracting the ref the young bucks slid a chair into the ring christian though would be the one that takes advantage of that and as you mentioned hits the kill switch on omega for the victory uh you know fun moment jurassic express came out and celebrated with christian and uh yeah, Kenny was not happy about it later. So, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely awesome. You know, so, you know, great way to kick things off here on Rampage. And uh, yeah, your new Impact know. Champion, who also looked confused when he was handed two belts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wait a second, what's this TNA title thing? Yeah, I don't know. Well, because they um, gave him that one first, and he's got like, like they handed him that one specifically for the camera shot, and he lifts it up, and then I see him like he grabs the other one, and it's just like he looks at that, he's like. Well then, what's this? <laughs> Just take both of them, damn it! So, yeah, we'll see what happens next between those two. But yeah, solid matchup. I'd be the curious, TN- yes, if the next match becomes a title for title match, or if they're just letting this be a way for Christian to go have a few matches in Impact and do that. Well, he's already yeah, he's already scheduled to defend the title against Brian Myers. Oh, okay. Coming up. So, and then there's a uh, multi man match to determine the number one contender that has like Sammy Callahan, Chris Saban, uh, Ace Austin. I'm missing somebody else there. So, gotcha. We'll see. Uh, the second matchup, the TNT title, Saul Miro, God's I want the return, favorite man. I want the return of Tomko in Impact Wrestling to come wrestle Christian for the title. I don't even know if he's alive. Um, oh, you might be right. <laughs> it's a bad, bad, bad idea to make a joke about guys that are that big. Mm-hmm. TNT championship. Miro got the win over Fuego del Sol, the man with the record of one and thirty-nine, <laughs> with yes. the title shot here. Who's had a few matches that were dangling the promise of a contract if he won, yes. and this is right. yet another one of those. Yes, he could be the TNT champion as well as earn a contract on this night. Um, Fuego del Sol really started things off hot. We got back-to-back tornado DDTs. He's obviously done a great job of putting that move over, and you know people online are always talking about. Well, and Jim Ross you know. made it, or not Jim Ross, one of the announcers might have been Excalibur. Somebody was making yeah. a point that like he's been specifically like hurt by tornado DDTs, like so that's like a weak spot of Miro's. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I guess yes. it's just a move Miro likes taking. So he's like, let's build that up, <laughs> make it so that that's the <laughs> move that everybody has to do to me. Right. So, but anyways, the crowd was you know hot and. You know, there was fleeting moments where you might think that this could be the night. It was not. Miro eventually got the win. It was still a really impressive short match. You know, that yeah. you got a lot out of this short amount of time. And uh, wouldn't you know, his vlog buddy, Sammy Guevara, would come out afterwards and uh, give him his new contract. He's all elite. Yes. Yeah, we, we saw Tony Khan for a split second. Right. And hand, he handed off the contract to Sammy, and then Sammy came down and said, you know, it's supposed to be me that tells you about this. And you can see that, like, this clearly, I think, I don't know if Fuego, you know, had hints of it, but he at least was not told specifically that this exactly was happening. Right. Because the dude was, like, weeping by the time that mm-hmm. Sammy got around to saying what he was actually, but by the time that Sammy needed him to respond, he was, like, unable to do so. Yeah, I've <laughs> so. at least, I at least, I think I saw it that he was apparently completely, like, blindsided by this. So Nice. 
So yeah, at least on was, this night. This, was, you this know? seemed like a, a great moment for television. It made you care more about this Fuego del Sol character. He's a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, if you are a longtime Dark Watcher, apparently a lot of people are a big fan of. But right. if you, you haven't watched Dark, you would only know of him through like a few Twitter posts and like one match with Cody. <laughs> and if you watch Sammy's vlog, yes. Sammy Guevara's yeah, vlog. If you watch Sammy Guevara's vlog, yes. Alan Angels and those folks. Um so yes, yeah, so now it was time for your main event AEW Women's Championship. We are in Britsburg, and uh that was evident as the booze rained down on Red Velvet, and uh you know oh. Brit was why they were wild for Brit. Real quick, I was like Yeah. They were listening to various podcasts, and there was uh, I noticed a, a theme in like Canadian wrestling fans being very confused about what a terrible towel was, and why ah. it was there, and why they would be being waved, and why they're called terrible if they're great. Like it was just it was very entertaining. Oh boy, jeez. All right, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they're pre- yeah pretty well established down here, but yeah, though they have the terrible towels were flying. Uh, they're excited for their hometown girl, the doctor, the champion comes home. Um, Rebel was tossed from ringside at one point. Fairly early in the match, I feel like, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, fairly early, because I liked that. I think they were trying to, like, they the crowd loves her. Let's get her heel manager out of here. We don't yeah. need those shenanigans. <laughs> um, and it also made sense later when, in an odd turn of events, in my opinion, Chris Statlander, like, attacked Britt Baker. Well, well I they, mean, after the match. Yeah. They've been having their, like, Slight run-ins and such for the yeah. last few weeks, and she's been winning matches and and on. Well, yeah, I'm pretty such. sure she's going to be the number one contender. Yeah, it like seems I, like that's the the way they're moving. Uh, but and again, I guess it was in her hometown anyway, so who cares if maybe the actions aren't the most babyface like? I mean, you were going to get booed regardless of how you went about doing this. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but that so yeah, so Rebel got kicked out, and maybe that allowed for that to happen after the match. Uh, the match itself was you know it was good. You know, obviously, there's nothing. Nothing wrong with that. The fans were just on the edge of their seat anytime they thought it was about, you know, that Britt was about to get the win. The um, the working of of Britt's injured, possibly not injured at all, wrist is uh, right. a lot of fun. Like, yeah, because you know she's got that baby face reaction from the crowd. So every time you know when we they had red velvet like rip the outside cast off, like that that got over big and like you know just. That being the big thing with like trying to hit the finisher and not having the hands having to switch to the other side. Like I loved the whole like finishing of this match. I thought I thought it was really well done and, and a good main event here. No, absolutely. And I mean I talked about this in the current wrestling when we were talking a little bit about the build up to this. Um I still just feel like it wasn't the best thing to do to Red Velvet. I mean, yeah. I think she held her own in this spot and the match, like you said, um was really good. Just feel like there were other women that they could have because this is a sacrifice. You want an alley like, in this spot? This is a sacrificial lamb situation here. Like Britt Baker, you could be anybody, and you were going to get booed on this night. You know, yes. let's let Nyla Rose. Let's let Penelope. Ford, let's, <laughs> if it was Nyla Rose, you'd have been so mad that we were getting Nyla Rose in another title shot. Well, chance. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> there's other people. Like, you could have saved this Red Velvet yeah. match. You know, she was on this yeah. winning streak, and she's a baby face 99 percent of the time, but. Yeah, not the case here. So, no, you're not wrong there. It, it was an interesting uh, situation for. Her. Hopefully, that means you know. I wouldn't think that that would then in, be a problem in other cu- cities. No, other it probably won't be situations. But, um, and then after the match, Jamie Hader would make her return to the company. It's been a long time. Last time she was here, I think she teamed with like Emmy Sakamura or whatever. 
and um, like has completely different hair and looks a lot different. It was just like I was like, who is this person again? Like I had to go look her up when they were because I knew the name, but just looking at her visually, I was like, I don't remember much about this person at all. I mean, she <laughs> looks a little like Becky Lynch, if we're being honest. Well, that's what you were saying, and I didn't notice it during the showing. I, maybe if I yeah. went back, like now when I'm looking at my memories, I'm thinking, okay, I could kind of see that, but I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again. Yeah. So, anyways, it's great to see her here. You know, she's someone that people have been kind of hoping would return at some point, and here she is. So good to see. And uh, yeah, the first rampage I thought was easy to watch. You know, well paced, and uh, you know, a welcome you know to to the wrestling ever expanding wrestling TV schedule. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be the person that's watching it all, it it's taking even more time of out of your day. Um, yes. Yeah, so now before we start talking about tonight's episode of Raw's War, I think it's best that we calibrate our minds back to the time that it took place. And I know one way to do that, the four things. Four! The four things time capsule. The four things are... Number one, Tony, because this is during the Monday Night Wars... I thought, mm-hmm. let's see what WCW had on their Nitro broadcast this same exact night. Oh, boy. They were broadcasting from Colorado Springs, and the ma- the show featured 12 matches. <laughs> sure. Um, starting off with Hoovy versus Lash LaRue. That fought to a no contest. Regal versus Riggs fought to a no contest. Mm. Ernest mm. Miller beat Mike Enos. And then okay. Cruiserweight Championship Ray-, Ray Mysterio fought Lenny Lane to a no contest. Oh. ICP beat Public Enemy, Kidman beat DDP, Chris Benoit beat Disco Inferno, then Goldberg beat Barry Windham in 30 seconds, Harlem Heat beat Scott Norton, Horace Hogan, and Vincent in a handicap match, World Television Champion Rick Steiner beat Brian Knobs, why that that is a sentence, I don't know, Uh, Perry Saturn beat Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, and in the main event, WCW champion Hulk Hogan fought Sid Vicious to a no contest. <laughs> Boy. So, yeah, that man. wasn't a great show. No, and you know what's funny? Like You look at that and you're like, oh, God, what a mess. Russo hasn't even gotten there yet. No. <laughs> October of 99 is like the transition. <laughs> yeah, so. no, it's, this is all on their own. They're doing this to themselves. Whew. But all those no Man. contests apparently were Sid Vicious interrupting and just like uh, walking around afterwards. Cause that's I always what hated when he'd do that. Missile Assault Ant in the reviews on Cage Match gave it a 1 out of 10 and was just like, this is the dumbest episode of WCW television. <laughs> oh, um, now. Careful. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, number two, because baseball was still in their steroid era, big records were seemingly happening constantly. Uh, specifically, there were three straight days in early August. August 5th, St. Louis slugger Mark McGuire became the only six, only the 16th player to reach the 500 home run milestone as the Cardinals lost 10 to two in uh, mm. against San Diego at Bush Stadium. Huh. Yeah, I mean it was all certainly tainted after the fact, you know, with all the steroid stuff. That, but I will remember, like, my dad, who doesn't really even care about baseball or watch baseball, but yeah. like the night like he broke the record, like I remember him being on. My dad's being like, "Yeah, this is." This is a big deal. You know, like him oh, just yeah. telling me like how, you know, it's obviously that it was all bullshit. But. Oh, oh yeah. No, that, it's funny because like we were both of that age where like my, my, I remember my dad like explaining like why this is a big deal to witness mm-hmm. history or whatever. And it's like, okay. Yeah. 
Um, August 6th, the very next day, Tony Gwynn would go four for five and collect his 3,000th Major League hit as San Diego beat the Expos 12 to 10. And then the very next day on August 7th, Tampa Bay third baseman Wade Boggs became the first Major League Baseball player to hit a home run for his 3,000th hit in the Devil Rays 15 to 10 loss versus Cleveland. And the wrestling tie in there is that Wade Boggs and Mr. Perfect were good friends. Absolutely. And then there was that Mr. 3000 movie that came out later on. Um, Yeah. So those there's a lot of baseball records happening. Number three, we take a look at the world of film and theater. And of course, 1999 is a year that we have talked about uh, with a lot of uh, interest in the world of movie releases. Uh, And this is pretty, pretty similar. July 30th, the classic terrible, terrible shark movie, Deep Blue Sea released, making one hundred sixty five million dollars. I'll have you know, I recently acquired the three film collection from the Deep Blue Sea films at Walmart for $5. So Didn't know there uh, were any sequels to that, but okay. A fan, fan of the franchise, let's just say. Also that same weekend, in a whole other vein, uh, getting a completely different audience, the Venn diagram probably not overlapping a whole lot, Runaway Bride would release and make $310 million. Yeah, I was, I was a little too young to have any interest in seeing that. Same. August 4th was the release of The Iron Giant, made $31 million. Of course, the critical, mm. critical darling and a big uh, historical thing at this point now until you know everyone got so pissed that it was completely destroyed when it was allowed to be used in Ready Player One. Wait, I, Iron Giant's one of those weird movies where it's like, years later when I, it came to be like, oh man, this is such a beloved movie and so many people hold it. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I saw it. As a child, I wasn't ever. supposed to watch it, but I remember watching oh, it at really? my friend's house because there was this weird thing with like my mom would like not trust any animation, not directly from Disney until she had seen it. And so, okay, yeah, that was one of the movies that was like, you're not supposed to see that. And then I saw it and then she watched it. I was like, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that came out. Iron Giant also releasing the comedy Dick. It didn't make very much. Six million. Uh, and oh, that's Mystery a fun Men. one, though. Mystery Men would also be the other movie oh. that weekend. Love Mystery Men. Like, honestly, that's another one that I'm always glad when I see, like, that gaining, like, fandom kind of oh, yeah. as the years go by. People, you know, kind of end up finding that. It's a movie that was, like, making jokes that only made sense, like, in the world that it was set in. In 1999, there wasn't a world to make these jokes really yet. Like, there wasn't all <laughs> these other, his, you know, superhero movies to be making jokes about. Mm-hmm. And so it was like they took all the jokes from, like, the comic book world, which are still funny. But yeah. now that you've seen 20 Marvel films and 15 DC movies and you go yep. back and you see this, and it's like it saw all these jokes way ahead of time <laughs> that are just so much funnier now. Uh, yeah, yeah like, Mystery so, yes. Men's good stuff. Yeah, somehow they parodied a generation of films that hadn't been made yet. Exactly, yes. Uh, and then finally, August 13th, a movie that we have talked with a lot of love on this film, and I'd watched it last time I was out visiting you again, Bowfinger oh. released, making $98 million. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, you know, it's not like a criterion, like put it in the Smithsonian kind of a classic, but it is just I solid mean, comic fun. Like, I think Coming to America, The Golden right. Child, yeah. Bowfinger for me, like for Eddie Murphy Ooh, movies, like man. that's, that's right up the there. Beverly, the Beverly Hills Cop fans are screaming at you, but that's okay. Oh, I know. I'm, I've never, I've never really seen many of those. <laughs> oh, oh just move on. Detroit Rock City also released and made $5.8 million. I've I mean, every time it. this ever comes up, I probably say, I I could do a three-hour podcast about that movie. I love <laughs> Detroit Rock City so much. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Uh, oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Number four, taking a look at popular music. We looked to the Billboard Hot 100 chart from the time. The week of tonight's show saw the number one song from the week before retain its position. Yet, 
It was also the song that gained the biggest airplay gain in that week. Mm -hmm. So it was already big enough to be number one, and then it also gained more than anyone else as it went into the next week. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of wild. But let's look at the top five leading to this song that I'm going to play a bit for you because all of these songs will remind you. Number five was All-Star Smash Mouth. Never heard of it. I went to Wilderness Camp this summer. I remember the the hot girls of the group would always sing this song nonstop on our hikes, and it was very annoying. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's that's how I was introduced to this song. Then I got home and I was like, "What is this song?" That they kept singing, and I learned about that one. Um, and then and then Shrek just relit the flames on it. Yes, after we thought yes. it was dead. Number four was LFO. Do you remember that boy band? Yes, Summer of Girls. Of course I do. I love girls that love that wire Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> yep, that's that one. Yep. Number three, "Tell Me It's Real" by Casey and JoJo. Mm. Number, Man, you talk about. You talk about people that just gotten lost in the sands of time. Why don't we talk about how great Casey and JoJo were? I don't remember many Casey and JoJo songs, but I probably would if I listened to you, the songs. Is what yeah, it that's it's true. Probably one of those school, that, yeah, it was a school dance thing. Number two was Destiny's Child, Bills, Bills, Bills. And then Man. finally, number one, Christina Aguilera with Genie in a Bottle. remember that yeah. Oh, yeah obviously i mean i was <laughs> watching a lot of trl around the time and you know all that kind of stuff so uh, oh yeah yep no she was I, a big deal i was handed another you're getting older moment by the universe while i was searching for this because <laughs> when i googled specifically christina aguilera genie in a bottle google said yeah. do you mean this song by dove cameron in 2016 where she remade genie in a bottle i was like <laughs> no, I want the real version. And I was like, oh, I'm old now. I'm the guy that's mm. asking for the real version of Walking on the Sun, not the Smash Mouth version. <laughs> oh, good Lord. It's all right. It's all right. Don't feel bad. So that brings us now to August 16th of 1999, when the WWE aired a taped episode of Monday Night Raw from August 10th, where 14,178 fans packed into the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It amazes me that, like, and I mean, at this point, they didn't care because they were, you know, the war was over pretty much. But they were still doing the le- the live raw tape draw. You know, they just yeah. WCW was live every week, every show, and they were always talking shit about that very thing. And I don't remember when that stops being a thing, but I'm amazed that it's still here in the summer of '99, they're still not doing every week live. It is strange. Yeah, this show would, like you said, the war is basically over. They would get a 6.6 rating for this show, by the way. Yeah. Which- oh, and I'm sure on the other side. Despite how crappy the product was, they were probably still pulling like a four. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like a 4.5 or something. Something uh, that they would be like crying, you know, in, with happiness about today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that now brings us to the start of this show, which starts with a video recapping what happened last week on the show, because a <laughs> lot is happening in the world of this main event scene for the SummerSlam pay, uh, pay-per-view. Or based on it being taped earlier that day. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Somebody recently hit Stone Cold in the head with a cinder block backstage. That mystery is still up in the air. 
but they don't even like they're like ah basically it's just a way to keep him out of action until SummerSlam. he's just gonna be talking until then um right we see Shawn michaels made a three-way match for the number one contendership with triple h china undertaker good grief if these people in the crowd had to sit there and watch last week's match and then all of this china triple h Uh, yeah but yeah it was triple h china undertaker stone cold came out with a chair interrupted the match by laying out triple h and laying china on top of him and that allowed china to get the victory and the number one contendership and that is where we are as we start this episode of raw and just before we move on just to like kind of address (laughs) that so we're moving towards the second biggest show of the year yes Without a clear challenger to the world title in line. Yes. This whole thing just confuses the hell out of me why they would do any of this. Now, I've heard rumblings over the years that Austin wasn't willing to put Triple H over at this point. Oh, okay. So that's maybe led to some of this. And then ultimately what happens at SummerSlam makes some sense because by Raw, by the end of Raw, Mm -hmm. the next episode, Triple H will be the world champion. (laughs) Because, uh, of course. yeah, I mean, we, we, we'll get there later. But yeah. so all that's going on. But the other thing that kind of bugs me is just like how the creatives all over the place. It's probably not even Steve's fault. Steve gave China the win. Yes. And then he'll cut a promo later tonight where he's like, well, I thought I was fighting Triple H, but I guess it looks like it's China. <laughs> or, you know, it's like <laughs> you yep. are literally the person that did that. Uh. You probably pre-taped this interview before that happened or something might be the reason for that. I'm curious about that now that you mention it, but <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's very convoluted. Um, it, you know, you've got three heels, undertaker, triple H China, all wrestling each other like last week until <laughs> Babyface stone cold comes out and, and ends the match, I guess. Um, but yeah, we get the open here. It's the classic attitude era open something, something umping me, blah, blah, blah philosophy. I don't know the words to this song, but I'm sure some of you do. The hard edits in the music always crack me up whenever they're just like, this, now we're just going to cut two minutes out and go to the end of the song and have that be the end. Uh, yeah, no. Classic Attitude Era intro and theme here. Um, Jim Ross screams and welcomes us. Uh, he's joined with Jerry the King Lawler, lots of pyro. Mm-hmm. And, oh boy, folks, this shit was starting all the way back in 1999. Here comes Triple H for a lengthy promo. (laughs) But I love this because this starts out with Jim Ross pointing out why you need to have at least different Titan Trons if two people are using the same song. I love it. And uh, uh, oh, oh, there it is. Yep, it's Triple H. Okay. <laughs> yeah, people think that like China had that individual theme for like an extended period of her run. It, she didn't have her, you know, don't treat me like a yeah, man. Yep. Don't treat me like. That was a pretty short stint, actually, that she had that song. Yeah, because for a long time, it was just this Triple H music. Now, I think <laughs> there's a time where he moves on to different music. Okay. And then I think she still uses this maybe oh, for really? a time. Or maybe that's Stephanie that uses this music for a time. Oh, okay. Like, 
without I don't know, but anyways, but yeah, it is, it is a little confusing. It's Gene Shorts Triple H making his way to the ring, and this is what we're told. This is his ring gear because he looks like he's ready for for action. Uh, he's got his fist taped up. He's got a half sleeveless shirt on. He gets a uh, got, by half sleeveless. I mean like half of a sleeve. Um, right. King can't believe that Triple H lost to a girl, and mm. Ross says that Stone Cold deserves some of the credit for that. Triple H comes out and says, "Tonight I'm here to put a focus right where it belongs," and I just have here and like a video game. He points to the back and introduces the ninth wonder of the world, China, and the music that we just heard a second ago starts playing again, and we watch the yeah. entire, like, the lights change and start flashing again, and here comes China. Well, hey, listen, why shouldn't she get to do her full entrance? You know, there's no hurry here from her. You're not wrong there, but man, by the, la- by the end of the night, yeah. I'm sick of that. I love it. Um, King accuses JR of sucking up to China um, after she had called him a chauvinist pig at some point. Because so. <laughs> that's how they have to make her a bad guy. She has to be bad by being upset with the way that they're treating her. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, yeah, but Triple H is in full apologetic mode here early on. He apparently filled a limo with flowers after she qualified with the, for the Rumble. Goodness. He so- goes... He, he bought her an emerald ring when she qualified for the king of the ring. Yeah. yeah all this stuff. This is ridiculous here. Remember that time when you qualified for the Royal Rumble? Remember that? And we went out that night with a big limo and I filled it with all those flowers. Remember that? I mean, the flowers were hanging out the windows and all those people were there. What a time that was, right? And then remember... Remember when, uh... Remember Alex? Remember? <laughs> hey, hey, remember Ghostbusters? Oh, I remember. Remember Slimey? Oh, How could someone think these things are bad? <laughs> so, yeah, just Triple H, it, it, like, as he's doing this, King is like, how is he being so nice to her? Like, the right. whole time. Um... Yeah, the fans are booing her as Triple H asks her to bask in the glory of the crowd. Um, yeah, but basically, yeah, he wants her to give him a shot at yes. her number one contender spot. I'm listing all these things that I did for you, so that way you can yeah. then do something for me, and I want you to give me this title shot. Yeah, uh, she says no, which can I just start here by saying the biggest victim of this episode of Monday Night Raw is China. Yeah. Who by the end of the night is just back to being Triple H's manager and is happy about it. <laughs> yep. Sorry, spoiler folks, but it's just like what an awful oh. journey this character goes on. Where she is where I mean, listen, I think they should have gone through with this. Battle of the Sexes, Austin, China, you know, <laughs> the baddest yeah. woman on the planet, the baddest man on the planet. Who cares? Let's do it. And she's never she says no at every turn on this night as yeah. well. Yep. With all the power to do so and you know what happens every time she says no the world just shrugs its shoulders <laughs> and we press forward with whatever the man suddenly, in the ring wanted her to do we suddenly have a new authority figure that is sympathetic to whoever the fuck is asking her a question and and has decided the other way and no one's on china's side that ends up oh. being her problem by the end of the night she doesn't have an authority figure that gives a crap about her 
So he, she says no, like you said. He has to face her one-on-one in a match for the chance for the championship. She says no. Then he turns and says, I made you. I did everything for you. I made everything about you. None of this would be possible without me and you. Then bite the hand that feeds you. You turn on me. You screw me. He's not happy. Yeah. Uh, and, he would go on and to call to her. That, yeah. that statement right there, JR goes, huh, he's right, though. I was like, God, guys, can when the announcers not be on his side for this one? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, he would go on to call her an ungrateful bitch. Big pop. says he is. For ungrateful but, bitch. Oh, of course, yeah. And says he is taking back what is mine. And uh, China just says that he doesn't have the balls to beat her. It's like, damn it, China. You, you yep. could have just continued to say no. There's a big thing in the attitude era of like, as soon like, all you just have to do is just after the no, insult, 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 you'll get a yes. <laughs> Uh, the world champion apparently wasn't even here to see any of that as Steve Austin is shown arriving in the to the building. I also love, though, because we have an argument between these two characters, China, Triple H. They're yeah. having an argument every time in the WWE. You know who won the argument by whose music plays at the end. Well, at this <laughs> one, the fucking Triple H music plays and we don't know is sure. like, is this good for him or is this good for her? Uh, and they just walk and they just walk away together arguing. Yeah, so um, we come back, uh, at, like you well, said, we saw Steve Austin arriving, one, but Jericho's arriving now as well. Yeah, so yeah, exactly, yeah. Chris Jericho also arrives to the building and is looking for the stage. I must entertain. Um, but it's time for match number one. It's going to be the Road Dog battling Al Snow, who has Pepper the Dog with him because he is in a feud with the Big Boss Man. Yeah, we're like a month or two away from the Kennel from Hell match. Um, yeah, so... They do this weird thing on this night where pretty much everybody that's involved in a match at SummerSlam has a match on Raw, mm-hmm. but they're fighting somebody from another storyline at SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Like, they do all this like crisscrossing where, you know, Al Snow's fighting the big boss man and Road Dog's doing whatever the Road Dog's doing. Like, gotcha. So it doesn't really matter who wins, you know, and then that's why there's usually interference. So, well, we learned that this month. The Road Dog is on the cover of the most recent WWF magazine. I bet that was a big time seller. People got to see that. Hey, I remember that dog. cover. And I'll tell you another thing about Road Dog. You you make light of him. He was super over and popular. WrestleMania 15. The only person to outsell the Road Dog in merchandise on that night was Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, I mean I get it. He's a, of the DX troop that just basically right. broke apart. Like he's the most likable of all of them. I get it, but right because you know he's, he's not Mister Ass. He's not China and Triple H. Because because his merchandise says Doggy Style on it, DP, and yes. so that's why everybody loves to buy his uh. shirts. So, yeah, he finally asked for the fake music to be cut. Thankfully, we're able to get rid of the replacement music and audience noise, and we can kick this shit doggy style, he says. Shiznit, apparently. He said said shiznit. How dare you? Uh, He wants to make a little noise up in this biatch, and then when we go from suck it, like the crowds, you know, suck it, to Al Snow's what does everybody want? I was like, we are in prime 1999 WWF right now. Uh. Dude, everything is just dicks and boobs and butts. Um, yeah. So here comes Al Snow, who at this point in the uh, you know the story arc of Al Snow, um, he's ditched the mannequin head. I believe we've already dealt with the 
angry mothers organization that got the toy taken off the shelves at this point. So they said the mathematically challenged million moms. Yeah. I just love it that they said, fuck that. And now we're getting ready to do a eating a dog angle instead. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's got a little chihuahua with him. Pepper, cute dog, whatever. Hands it to the king. Who's, you know, ah, it's peeing on me. They try so hard to get this shot of the, of the king and the dog watching the match. And that dog will not watch the match. Like, I spent the first three minutes of this match watching in the background the camera right. guy trying to get the dog's attention, <laughs> waving around so that way they could take the shot when they're finally looking in the it, same direction. I mean, it's, it's a dog. There is way too many things going on in that building <laughs> for it to focus on any one thing. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah the match is, you know, listen, it's the adjutary. You all love your rose-colored glasses with this stuff, but the in-ring action is I, nothing, to say the least. I will say I did enjoy JR's line when King was handed the pup, the dog. He was like, oh, finally right. a puppy of your own. And King goes, I don't like this kind of puppy. <laughs> we know, Ugh. King. Just let the joke lie. Um, yeah, Snow with the capture headbutts and then a slam. He hits a slingshot leg drop from the apron, but misses a moonsault. Road Dog with a little shake, rattle, and roll punches. Um Al Snow would drop the ref. Oh, I'm sorry. Al Snow dropped at one point, and the ref took the final shot to the face. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Corderas get punched right in the nose. That was actually a pretty rough one, but he's kind of a douche nowadays, so I don't feel oh, so bad is he? about it. That's no good. Yeah, look up his, look up his Twitter. Um, Snow looking for a clover leaf because he was like, I don't know. I got to do something. Because it's time for the boss man to hit the that, ring. That might explain why he hasn't been appearing on the network that I used to listen to him on. Uh, anyways, ah, good. Yeah. Uh, boss man, though, messes everything up with his nightstick. Um, Dude, and Road Dog gets the win. When Boss Man showed up, I was like, "What the fuck?" And so he comes in with a nightstick. We do the end of the China match from last week, where he cracks Al Snow with it, then hits the Road Dog, and they fall onto each other. And although the Road Dog's fall is in a dir- other direction from where he's being hit, so it's pretty bad looking. But um, yeah, it's basically the China finish from last week's show, and uh, yeah. he gets the win. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, like I said, Boss Man and Al Snow are fighting for the hardcore title at SummerSlam. So, yeah. The announcers tell us Pepper is upset about this finish. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of this on this night, but there's at least some small reasoning. Uh, we see The Undertaker and The Big Show are on their way to the ring. And it was so amazing because this is like the one thing I always remember about this tag team is this promo. Like, I didn't know <laughs> when it happened or like when to go, but just the story about like, you know, well, we'll get to it. But yeah, oh, this because yeah. I was like, when Sue started telling the story, I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is the one thing I remember <laughs> about this tag team. Um, oh. And we see Chris Jericho is still, a, you, know, a pre, you know, this is like, he's kind of doing the uh, um, spinal tap deal here, but he does. I, it's not that night. Because at first no. I thought that's where we were going. Like, yeah. is this the night where he like can't find the stage and he goes through the wrong door? I think it's no. just because we're what, a week out of his arrival? This is. Literally week two. Yeah, so I think job. this is just them kind of giving him more chances to establish little elements of his character. Yeah, and that's true. So we're kind of following him around backstage before he then will appear on the stage very mm-hmm. shortly here. But this one's some a little bit of fun as he descri- <laughs> he explains why he has this hairstyle. Fix, fix my hair? I'll have you know this is the most popular hairstyle in Europe right now. But of course you would know nothing about being an international fashion player now, would you? Enough of this yakking. Where's the stage? My people are waiting. Where is Jericho? And every... Uh, I could not cut a soundbite of Jericho without a King moment right after going, Y2J, Raw is Jericho. Just, he, just, he just says whatever random phrase from Jericho. Well, there you go. Good deal. But yeah, Jericho, obviously, if you're, not, if you're listening, you don't see... 
he's got the uh, the poof. You know, he's got the the top ponytail deal going on. Yes. So classic Jericho. Anyways, after the break, hope you like these two. Well, Triple H and Chuck. Yes. We get a shot outside the Bradley Center. Tonight's Raw is sponsored by Castrol GTX Motor Oil, and if you buy a full crate, you get a six-foot WWF poster. True. It's also brought to you by 1-800-CALL-ATT and the Kaboom Box, which I thought was a fun name of a a boom box. Right. But just before that, we just see Triple H in China warming up. (laughs) Yeah, we get the Castrol stuff, and now here comes The Undertaker and Big Show. Now, I got to say, this is I think this is a great wrestling tag team like entrance mashup okay oh the theme songs it, yeah yeah it's very subtle with the big show influence on mm-hmm. it. it is there though it's there very slightly oh it's 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 better than the x-pac kane one that we're gonna hear <laughs> later on well um, because honestly x-pac and kane because i know this is something we talk about is probably on the farthest end of the worst example of like <laughs> The worst way you can splice a tad, you know, two yes. singles guys music together and make them a tag team. So, but uh, but I forgot about this theme. I like it. As they're making their way to the ring, we're told that the Undertaker is the personification of evil, and he's been molding this young man in his image as of late. Uh, Taker says, "Playtime is over. Sit down and shut up to the fans." And I'm just like, "Oh, are we getting a Taker promo?" And oh boy, are we getting a Taker promo? Um, yeah. Later on tonight, I, a tag match that's not important happens, but Sunday, the winner of that match faces us, too. <laughs> yeah, they're not the champions, and they're making, like, the challenge for the match at SummerSlam. But anyways. Oh, and this week, Taker tested his man Big Show out, and then I just have, oh, and Taker talks a little biker shit. This week, I put him to the test. I had Paul Bear call out to California san fernando valley to some associates of ours at the local 81 what's that (laughs) yeah jr what the fuck is that (laughs) you're not invited now i just have my notes okay we've made fun of the hulk hogan motorcycle promos constantly for years now you've mentioned now that i didn't know this before but that this is a a key moment in, in the undertaker history for you for this tag team right yeah but I just have Undertaker raises the bar on lunacy and badass biker tales with this. So I thought, let's just talk our way through the promo, and then I want to play it in its entirety once we're done uh-huh. talking about it. So that way the fans can and listeners can hear exactly what we're talking about, because it's ridiculous. This is, the, this is maybe the worst Undertaker promo, in my opinion, but at the same time, extremely entertaining. I mean, I don't know if it's like you can say it's the worst, because I don't think there's anything wrong with his delivery. It's or, such uh, a lame story. The crowd doesn't give a shit. This is the hottest crowd in the WWE, and they're just sitting on their hands while he talks about oh, this. Oh, you're right. No, it, it does fall a little flat. <laughs> um, you know, because we're post-ministry at this point. Like, this uh, is... Oh, okay. Whenever you're trying to remember what he did after the Ministry of Darkness thing kind of dried up, this is what he did after Ministry of Darkness. This episode also felt like a great chance to set up like the Acolytes joining him and then starting that whole thing with the way that this time this all works out, but... Yeah, that, that, that's apparently already happened. So, um, but anyways, yes, we'll uh, you know listen to this. Um, you know, it sounds like it would be a story mission in like a road rash video game or something. But here's here's the Undertaker uh, talking about Big Show's well, test. I guess even though Jr. is confused, Taker knows his in the know brethren know that what he's talking about. He's talking about looking for hogs. They're gonna call and ask for motorcycles, and he says he want he needed two hogs to ride into Death Valley. One for Undertaker, one for the Big Show. 
And Taker says, you know, they, they answered, they knew that Undertaker could handle it, but they're like, I don't know if the big show can handle going out there. And Taker says, the only thing that survives is cold-blooded animals in Death Valley. And I just have here, and this is where I fucking lose it. I told yep. them I want the big show's bike to only have enough gas to get to the middle of Death Valley. And then he'll run out. And so that's what they did. And they got to driving 120 degrees out there, middle of the desert, and show's bike runs out of gas. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, was... you, you, you don't seem impressed with it. I thought this was fucking wild. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just, yeah, no, it's shocked. I mean, I'm shocked. It's, um, he was literally going to leave the big show out there to die. Yeah. Taker then, the plan. He just mocks him. He's, he's like, how are you going to survive, big man? And the yep. under- and big show responded back that he would eat him. Which Taker is like, I enjoyed that answer, but fuck you, I'm, I'm leaving. And he just left him there. Well, he was going to wait till he <laughs> fell asleep and then skin him and then eat him. Yes. Yeah. So it was very, very descriptive. Yeah, wear your body like a suit. But, it was gross. But, but, but the Undertaker don't sleep, so he drove away. <laughs> and I love the detail then. So he drives away, and then the Undertaker sat in his bike at the edge of the desert. I assume on a cliff overlooking a large swath of the desert. Otherwise, I don't know how you know where right. this guy's going to walk out. But he just yeah. was going to wait until either Big Show returned, <laughs> or I guess, I don't know what predetermined time he would assume the man's dead, but... He was waiting, and two days later, fucking Big Show comes out with a snake skin tie, lizard skin boots, and carrying his Harley on his shoulder. And I just thought, this is the the dumbest story. <laughs> I hated this. Oh man, I don't think you could hate it. I, oh. I, I, you know, it's certainly over the top and cheesy. All right, so let's let's give it a listen. Call out to California, San Fernando Valley to some associates of ours at the local 81. What's that? Paul said we're going to need two bikes for a ride into the desert. The guy said, Brother Paul, now we know the dead man can handle it, but I don't know about the big show. It's August. It's 120 degrees in the middle of Death Valley. He says the only thing that survives in Death Valley are the cold-blooded. The snakes and the lizards. Paul said, that's all right. And in one of those bikes that you're setting up for us, I want the big show only to have enough gas to get to the middle of the desert and not get back. What? So we're on our way. We get to the middle of Death Valley, 120 degrees. The big show's bike runs out of gas. And I pull up next to him, and I ask him this question. It's 120 degrees. How are you going to survive? He looks me straight in the eyes. Without a hesitation, he says, I'm going to wait till you go to sleep. I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm going to cut your flesh off, make a coat out of it, and I will eat your flesh until I find food. Ugh. Ugh. I said, good answer, big man, but I don't sleep. And I drove off and left him. I waited on the outskirts of the desert. Two days later, he comes walking out with a snake necktie and lizard boots, carrying his Harley Davidson on his shoulder. (laughs) He's big enough. 
The point of the story is this. What used to be known as SummerSlam will now be known as Armageddon. And whoever shows up will be hurt. Wow. Well, that is a straight-out warning. A-plus <laughs> point there, Taker. <laughs> And it only gets and yeah, and it only gets made that much worse because he literally gets insulted immediately by Chris Jericho on like the quality. No, that thing it's it's so funny. Like you said too, the crowd is not reacting, and then for him to get to the end and just be like, and that all means that SummerSlam's Armageddon. It's like (laughs) what? Uh, no, that was, means that. I was like, how does that have anything to do with this? Um, but thank God, Chris Jericho is here to save us as the countdown happens. Um, and Jericho makes his way out. We're told he just interrupted The Rock last week, and this is the same thing he did to him. Uh, Chris Jericho's here. Jim Ross says, these are some bad hombres to be interrupting. Bearer looks unimpressed. And Jericho says, you two slugs have been out here for three to four minutes, and you've lost these people with this stupid story. And this is exactly what I was talking about last week. You two giant slugs have been out here for, what, three, four minutes? And already you've forced these poor people to drift off into their own little worlds, completely oblivious to what you're saying, and completely oblivious to you. I mean, you two morons couldn't string together two intelligent words, and I was forced to come out here and save this segment. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not wrong, because I wouldn't be surprised the Undertaker didn't didn't think that that promo was shit, you know? He probably (laughs) knew it wasn't great. Yeah, probably. He calls the Undertaker the personification of boring instead of the personification of evil. And yep. says, you two cause people to pick up the remote and look for a hero. He says, but your hero has arrived. I, Chris Jericho, am here to save the WWF. The only thing scary about you two is the amount of TV time you get, which causes the people to pick up the remote and change the channel looking for a hero. Well, stop changing the channel because your hero has arrived. Raw is snore is dead and buried and long live. Raw is Jericho. Oh, and he says, you know, this entire company, including those idiots in the back and those big two idiots in the ring will never, ever be the same again. Yeah. And Undertaker's not pleased. He insults Chris Jericho's facial hair. Yep. Says so he doesn't know who he is, and then gives it gives one of those. You know, I'm not gonna do anything about it this time. But if you ever do that again, I'm gonna beat your ass. Yeah, yeah the Undertaker told Jericho that he's had more shower time than he's had ring time. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. He's, I don't know what that means. He's means he's clean. taking more showers than Jericho's had matches. Ah, okay. Undertaker's so. a clean man, apparently. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jim Ross, I don't know what it is. There's a moment right here at the end as he's like, you know, trying to sell this whole m- moment here. Did you find like every once in a while it sounded like he was in a can? Like his audio gets wonky in this show for some reason. It might just be bad, you know, headsets or something. Who knows? What- it might be. I mean, every other show they're throwing guys into the announcers on this during the Attitude <laughs> Era. So I'm sure they're breaking that shit yeah. all the time. 
Absolutely. Uh, China and Triple H are on their way to the ring as we go to commercial. After the break, Jericho is talking to a man that he would be connected to for <laughs> a good while here at the beginning of his time in the company. It's Howard Finkel, and he's explaining that he's just trying to, you know, help the show. He's just here to save everyone's job, including Howard's. Yeah, and Howard's so. like, I'm trying to save my job by doing this sponsored Hanson's energy drink ad, but you won't let me yeah. talk about this drink. Like, I don't, I've never heard of Hanson's energy drink, but it, there's a giant fucking machine oh. behind him. He's got yeah, one in his cr- hand. There's a poster on the wall. All right. No, it, yeah, it's Chris Jericho and Howard Finkel's fault that it, you've never heard of it. They <laughs> killed it. But it's yeah. time for match number two. It's our number one contenders match to see who will face Steve Austin at SummerSlam. It's Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, taking on China. Oh, and we've heard the song three times already, but now we're going to hear it two more. So, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that Triple H. Well, this time at least they just they don't even stop the song. They nah, play it, just, and then China just waits a little bit, and then she starts to come out. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's probably the most you know economic use of time. That's true. China immediately catches Triple H with punches, uh, then some uppercuts in the corner. They call him European, but she's just like throwing punches to the jaw. It looks like um, yeah. we get some stomps, a back elbow by Triple H gets him back out of the corner. He immediately pulls her hair as he hits her with a punch. And the king loves it when she he punches China in the face. Uh, China counters the suplex, hits a DDT for a two count on Triple H, but Triple H is able to counter a backdrop with a knee to the face, and then throws China into the corner and hits her with more punches and stomps as the fans start to boo a little bit. King even says he's a little uncomfortable with this at this point, and from then on, he's just going to tell us how uncomfortable he is for the rest of this match. Because they're like, "Shut up, King! Stop being happy about watching a woman get beat." <laughs> Um, so now he's like, okay, uh, flying knee to the face from Hunter gets a two count. Uh, China backdrops Hunter Hurselmsley over the top rope, and I, now here comes mankind. I love Jerry Lawler explaining that the proper thing to do is to root against China because imagine the brutality Stone Cold would subject this woman to. We need to save her from herself here and let her uh, lose this match. Of course, um, yeah. After being gone for the last three months. It's Mankind, Mick Foley himself. Um, I'm not sure if he was, like, the the extent of the injuries or if it had any, anything to do with, like, uh, how upset he was after the Owen Hart passing. Ah, okay. Because that was May of 99. Yeah, so that makes sense. But um, anyways, he's back. He's here. And boy, is he thrust into the, you know, <laughs> the thick of things. Yeah, he just runs up, grabs the stairs, and hits Triple H behind the refs back with it. And this allows China to cover for the pin and the win. And so your winner and still number one contender is China. But Mankind, like you said, is fully involved. He's immediately up into the ring. Yeah. China now, folks, who has back-to-back victories over Triple H. Yes. And is still at this point fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin at SummerSlam for the title. And it's like, at least here, it's, it's weird because at this point in the show, we now have to switch from China being like, the person that we're rooting for right. to being the bad guy because yeah, we like I, mankind. 
So, yeah, the whole situation kind of sucks. Mankind chases Triple H up the ramp with a chair uh, before coming back to the ring <laughs> uh, where China is still hanging out. And this is always some of my favorite mixed stuff with him and China. Oh, so good. What you doing? Oh, China. Now I know there has always been a vague sexual tension between us. And you're revealing little outfits and me and mine. But I'm going to try to put all that aside and tell you that I want a piece of SummerSlam. Yeah. So I he's wearing his, like, his Mankind referee out shirt. I was curious, if, like, did they change the idea at the end of the... Like, was he originally supposed to be the special ref in the match later on, and then... No, no, that's the other weird thing about this whole show is that Jesse Ventura is the referee in that match. Yeah. And, like, they just barely promoted here on the last Raw before... Well, that's true. I meant, like, for this main event, like, would it, was it originally set oh. so that Mankind was, like, part of it in that way versus, like, Triple H in China right. or something, but... Um, yeah, I, it's just Mick. Mick, he's just a slob. He wants his piece of SummerSlam, so please give me a shot for the number one contender role. The fans like the idea. Of course. China uh, just low blows Mankind from behind and then says, that means no. And like <laughs> you said, again, is just has her, her opportunity to tell people no, taken right away from her as uh -huh. she's leaving and the fans are booing. And here comes Commissioner Shawn Michaels. Sean's got his jeans and tucked in polo shirt look. Uh, the jeans are rolled up one rung at the bottom. He plays to the crowd on the stage and then calls China honey, sweetie, and buttercup. It says yep. the last thing he wants to do is piss her off. But he kind of likes Mick Foley, so he wants to give him this match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I have a special place in my heart for mankind. Yeah. So you're going to fight him tonight. We got. We go back. We're it's it's the good old boy network, and we're gonna take this away from you now. Um, yep. So yeah, <laughs> we come back from the break, and we see Michael Cole standing outside the locker room of Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> waiting to get comments. I love so. this because we see him standing by a door. He doesn't say mm. anything, and Jr. Nope. just fills us in on what's happening. And then King goes, "Did he knock?" And then later well, we'll the, see him standing by another door, and then he'll make the, a better comment about his knocking. Right. Uh, we also learned that Steve is going to be on Conan O'Brien this Friday ahead of SummerSlam. So yeah, you know, WCW's kind of got him blocked on that Jay Leno path. So. <laughs> oh, they got to get on Conan. Uh, so yeah, That's we right. go to match number three, which yep. is a match that I'm sure everyone was looking forward to. It is Test taking on Steve Blackman. Yeah, again, two guys that have programs at SummerSlam, fairly high-profile ones, but not they're against fighting each other. each other. No. No, yeah. 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 Test is uh, in the thick of his Shane McMahon feud at this point, and Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock he, will be having a match at SummerSlam. He finished off the last of the posse last week. It's down to just Shane. Um, yeah. But yeah, Shane challenged him to a love-her-or-leave-her match uh, about Shane's sister, Stephanie, at this point. So that's where we're at with the Shane McMahon storyline. He is the owner of the company, and he is defending his sister's honor from test. Right, which is kind of good and bad at the same time. I don't know. Um, yeah. King doesn't know what stuff sees in test. Like, I, I he is know. wearing like a halter top at this point, but yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was in fashion, okay? Um, Steve Blackman, no nonsense, you know, with a drop toe hold and a drop kick on Test. Blackman then with a slam, missed an elbow drop. Test hits a neck breaker, followed by a gut wrench powerbomb. And here comes Shane O'Mac. Dude, our third straight match where someone has come out from the back on the yep. stage or gotten involved. Um, yeah, Test is distracted by this. Shane gets in the ring with a kendo stick, and before he does anything, the match is called off. The bell rings immediately as soon as <laughs> Shane steps into the ring. Which um, it's just such bullshit because there's times where they get oh, in the yeah. ring and, and and maybe they get knocked out and so it's fine. Yeah, this they just ring the bell, ring it out, <laughs> ring it now. Shane um, then taunts Test and Blackman hits him with a stick, but here comes Ken Shamrock to the rescue. He starts beating on them, but Shamrock beats on Shane, but Blackman's able to use the kendo stick to get control and cracks him in the head with it. Shane and Blackman then beat on the ribs of Test, and Shane shouts. That's it. That's it. That's it. And the fans chant asshole at him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all decent stuff. Got a little bit of a, a uh, corporation reunion here with Shamrock and Tess, the former corporation oh, pals. Okay. But it doesn't matter. They've they've moved on. Um, now, <laughs> Michael Cole and his in-sync haircut are ready to talk to Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't really interview Steve in this time. No. This is about as about as good as it goes, honestly. True. Talking to Steve. Because he actually answers his second question. But yeah, he <laughs> he just interrupts at the first, says, you know, someone's got retribution on the way because no one gets away with hitting Stone Cold in the head with cement. Um, and then he's asked about the match against China. And this is where he says uh, how much time Steiner it might take. Math. <laughs> about SummerSlam this Sunday, we still don't know who your opponent's going to be, either Mankind or China. But as it stands right now, it's China. Well, as it stood, it was going to be Triple H. And the way I figured it, it might have taken me 20 minutes. It might have taken me 40 minutes to beat that son of a bitch. As it stands now, China, it might take me five minutes to beat her. And by the same token, it might take me 15 seconds. Great. I'm glad that you're making this main event look fantastic. I mean, that's just (laughs) dumb. You know what I mean? Like, again, we all love to think about the days of before scripted promos. And then you hear something like this, and it's like, that, all of that's just bad. Well, like, this is also the time of them trying to push China, but having to face the fact that none of these guys want to give anything oh, to her no. or be looked right. to be weaker than her. Like, right. So they're also battling that every time they try to set any of these matches up. That's why Jericho and Eddie Guerrero end up being the only guys that'll have fucking mm-hmm. feuds with her. Um, but so yeah, yeah. But he's got yeah, hit, dumb promo. Um, he just wants someone to show up on Sunday. Great, Steve. Great yeah. way to promote the world title match at the second biggest show of the year. And as we come back from the commercial break, the rock is walking into the arena. It's just th- this time in the company is amazing with the amount of star power that they like every break. We've had yeah. like a giant mega star coming back through the door. Um, it's, it's wild. Truly a crazy time. And then we go to goes. the actual matches where there's just mid card guys wrestling matches right. and having it interrupted for no reason. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And speaking of such match four, I think it's for the tag titles. I, I don't know. So. Uh, WWF Tag Team Championship match. Kane and X-Pac, the champions, defending against Farouk and Bradshaw, the Acolytes. Yes. So, Kane and Pac do their dual entry with their combined pyro and shit. The fans are into it, but like we said, I'm not a big fan of this music combination. I just wish Kane would have done like the suck it motions. Yes, that would have been good. 
Yeah, we're told Xbox is, X-Pac has shown Kane what it's like to have a heart over these last few weeks. Uh, okay. And this is the point that we hit the mid-show hour marker because the copyright pops in. I was like, oh, okay, ah. so this is a good spot to start the next now, hour. That means it's now it's the war zone. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Kane and Bradshaw will start this match inside the ring. Yeah, because uh, Ron Simmons and Xbox are outside the ring. Simmons sends Xbox into the steps. Now Bradshaw tosses Kane out of the ring. They act like they're going to start like a regular match, and then it's just a brawl. So, yeah. Now Bradshaw and Kane are also on the outside, and Bradshaw would send Kane into the steps. Um, now we get back into the ring. Bradshaw has a second rope shoulder tackle. Uh, Kane is distracted a bit by the Undertaker and the Big Show, who, who have appeared at the top of the entrance ramp. Yes, four straight matches with people walking out onto the entrance ramp at least. Yep. Uh, they keep their distance though. We get a double shoulder block from the Acolytes. Uh, Farouk then sends Kane into the corner, but Kane charges out and then pulled Ron down by the back of his hair. It was a little sloppy and a little bit weird. Yeah. Like choice of maneuvers on someone that doesn't exactly have like long flowing locks of hair. (laughs) Uh, Farouk punches Kane, telegraphs the body drop. Kane's able to tag an X-Pac. We get chops, but Farouk just punches him back and takes control. X-Pac is now desperate as he gets the tag. There's a while where they're beating on him for a minute. Uh, Mm -hmm. He then desperately gets the tag to Kane, who knocks Farouk to the floor, slingshots Bradshaw's head on the ropes, climbs to the top and hits the diving clothesline, and Farouk breaks up a pinfall, and JR acts like this is an incredible match so far. I was like, it's okay. It's not incredible. This is as close to a fucking, like, classic as you'd get in this time. Like, these guys are going to wrestle for four minutes. Uh, (laughs) The ref's yeah, distracted now by Kane, so Bradshaw mm-hmm. is able to kick out of X-Pac's pin. Right. Um, so later in the match, X-Pac with chops, but Bradshaw looks for a powerbomb. Kane breaks that up. We get a fallaway slam after Bradshaw catches the crossbody, and he tags in Farouk. Farouk with the power slam on X-Pac almost lost him. He was losing yeah. it at this point. Um, and tags in Bradshaw. Uh, Bradshaw with a swinging neckbreaker for a two, and then a sleeper hold. Because, boy, this... This match was all, this match was almost entertaining. So yeah, he did back to back swinging neck breakers, and then starts going after the neck with the sleeper as they're talking about his. You know, Jr. says Pac's got a weakness on his neck, and King's like, "Oh yeah, how many neck operations has he had?" And Jr.'s like, "Well, one or two. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you made it, like don't ask that question if it's not three or more. Like that needs to be a number that's three or more to at least sound impressive, but." But then King says that his neck looks like a stack of dimes anyways, so of course he's going to go after that. Uh, Bradshaw gets the sleeper hold. X-Pac is a gamer, we're told, as he fights out, and he gets his sleeper of his own, but Bradshaw oh just shrugs him off, tags in Farouk. We get a spinning heel kick, desperately allowing Kane to tag back in. He's a house of fire with punches, clotheslines, a big boot to Farouk, corner clothesline by Kane, pockets the Bronco Buster, and King gets mad, saying that's Shane's move. Uh, Bradshaw clothesline from hell on X-Pac and then Kane chokeslams Bradshaw and covers him for the pin and the win and your still tag team champions are Kane and X-Pac yeah um, you know again not exactly the barn burner that maybe Jim Ross would lead you to believe that it was but as far as this show goes about as good as it gets yeah yeah not not bad really it was still entertaining (laughs) Uh, but yeah anyways Kane and X-Pac retained that means they'll face Undertaker and Big Show at SummerSlam so. And, you know, since the Acolytes are no longer part of the ministry, they decide to help out Undertaker by now double-teaming him and beating up these men and leaving them laying. 
But we get a back suplex neck breaker on Kane and then an assisted powerbomb on X Pac. And they're left at laying, like you mentioned. Ah, boy. We go to commercial. And again, you mentioned all the star power of this time. Undertaker, Rock, Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Triple H, Mankind. I mean, my God, who isn't here? But we've got to make five minutes for fucking hardcore Holly <laughs> on this show. The only reason that I'll allow this is because he introduces his far more interesting cousin, Crash Holly, on this night. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's telling someone to shut up and sit down. Don't come out till I tell you to. He's backstage, and we don't know right. who he's talking to at this point in the show. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should. I got a little bit ahead of myself because I should mention, <laughs> too, that uh, we get a commercial letting us know that the British Bulldog mm-hmm. will be returning to the WWF. This is Blue Jeans Bulldog. Bad Bulldog. <laughs> Bad Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Cole is now outside the locker room of Mankind. <laughs> yeah. And this is when King he's... would mention that uh, someone should teach him to knock. Yeah. We got to teach Michael Cole how to knock on doors. I was like, that's that's funny stuff. Because he's just like pacing outside the door. Yeah, and that'd be like the news people like showing up to try to like interview somebody at their house, but not knocking and just waiting for them to open their door <laughs> and then just starting to talk to them. Oh, but here comes Hardcore Holly. He's booed roundly. We're told that Holly thinks he's King Kong. He's He confronted Big Show last week. And Holly starts out with the most like just Southern, well, uh, got something to talk about. Uh, so here we go. Number 12. Well, the World Wrestling Federation has finally done it to me. They have backed the big shot into a corner, and that's something I just don't like. That's not good, JR. He's dangerous when he's backed in a corner. So, what I have done is I took it upon my... Super heavyweight self. See? Told you. Super heavyweight. I got it. Super heavyweight. And I went and got me another super heavyweight. Yeah, it's my cousin, Crash Holly. Right. No, this is another, like, memorable time for the Holly, you know, the super heavyweight deal and them carrying the scales and all that, so... Yeah, but it's also something that they didn't apparently think about doing in advance because Crash is just wearing hardcore Holly's trunks as he comes out to the ring, his spare well, pair. I don't know how. I don't know if he ever didn't wear that. When now that you mentioned it, I don't remember oh, really? being Crash. Well, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like it was like this for at least a little while, but we'll, <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Oh. Uh, yeah, he introduces his cousin Crash, who comes out and is a little bit bolsterous. Hardcore takes exception and tells him to you know nut up or shut up. And Crash tells him to not start something he can't finish. And the cousins brawl into the crowd. Yep. And this isn't the end of these two. We're going to watch these guys brawl around because that's a fun character trait. Um, So, yeah, we go backstage with Cole and Mankind now. He apparently came to the door. Uh, Mankind says, I came back to get revenge on Triple H. So if he wants to stick that oversized nose in my business, I'll knock it off. And he says, China can come get some too soon later on tonight. Yeah, he says he doesn't want to hit China, but he'll sh- but he'll shove a sock down her throat. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, that's that's classy. Back from the break, Stone Cold's making coffee backstage. <laughs> Literally, like <laughs> the hottest superstar in the world of professional wrestling. In like He's his like segment, stirring commercial break, powdered creamer. Is <laughs> him stirring in some like the you know that in whatever that camera that terrible brand of like the powdered creamer into his cup of coffee. Oh goodness. Yeah. 
But it's time for match number five. It's the number one contendership. Mankind yeah. versus China. One, so, this song. And we'll hear the Triple H music yet again. Here comes China. Mankind and China go face to face. And we already see Triple H backstage is surrounded by referees as he's trying to fight through them to interrupt this match. And I'm like, do not let him out here. It's, it's amazing. Like, first of all, they've never, they haven't stopped anybody else from interfering. True. But like, so China's putting up with all this shit as it is. And we can't even give her like the common courtesy of focusing on her match here with Mankind. No. No, no. We're basically the story of this match is the progression of Triple H <laughs> fighting his way closer and closer to the ring through yeah. a crowd of people that just can't be asked to stop him, apparently. Oh, goodness. No, you're not wrong there. That's It's not a great look. Um, China yeah. gets no. the start in control. We also get our first mention on the night, folks, about Jesse Ventura returning at SummerSlam. Yes. Yeah, this is when they kind of start to talk about how he's going to be the referee. Yeah, I wonder if the relationship didn't go south before like they even got to SummerSlam. Probably. Because it just feels like they're because they were all about this. And now they're kind of like, oh, yeah, and Jesse Ventura is going to be there. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, uh, but yeah, China's in control, kicking mankind in the corner. Um, he gives her a clean break, but would pay for it. Yeah, he couldn't uh, bring himself man- to punch her. No, mankind with a beal. China, though, came back with a low blow and then forearms to the back. A DDT from China gets a two count. And now we see our update on how much closer Triple H is to the ring, pushing through the, you know, goobers backstage. Yep. Uh, China slams mankind. And now Triple H is all the way out to the top of the ramp, getting closer and closer. Oh, and of course, this distracts China as she Mm -hmm. shouts at him and fully pulls out Sako, locks on the mandible claw and pins her one, two, three. Your winner and new number one contender, Mankind. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I love Mick, but man, this night is so bad what they do to China. Uh, <laughs> Triple H slides into the ring and attacks. Uh, officials break up the fight. Out comes Commissioner Michaels, well, who it's, announces it's, Mankind as the winner and the new number one contender. Like, China immediately, like as soon as she loses is like back into the role of just being with yep. triple H trying to beat up mankind. Like that's all she's here for. Doesn't seem that bothered by everything. Oh uh, yeah. So they work on the leg of mankind, uh, I guess ahead of whatever's coming up, but in walks Shawn Michaels, he tries to get the ring cleared and get people to go backstage. Jim Ross loves mankind versus stone cold at SummerSlam. He says, that'll be a great match. There's a lot of history between those two. And Shawn says the winner and new number one contender is mankind. Triple H and China, of course, are mad. Here comes Vince McMahon. No, it's Shane McMahon out to no chance in hell because he didn't have his music yet. Right. And I noticed in the in the title, he's World Wrestling Federation owner Shane McMahon at this point in the storyline. Yeah, Vince had stepped away. He was uh, okay off screen at this point. We're actually like only a few months away from Triple H marrying Stephanie. Gotcha. Okay. Like that's how kind of fast things are about to you know, change in that world. Well, so. yo, yo, yo. He says, I guess I have to take care of this as a personal problem. We get asshole chance for Shane. The crowd really doesn't like him. It's it's really like a lot of good interaction here. Uh, mm-hmm. He says there's been a conspiracy against Triple H being the number one contender. He demands yeah. a match tonight between Mankind and Triple H to determine an undisputed number one contendership. 
course, China doesn't get a chance at that. But um, he says in that match, he will be the special referee. And this is when Shawn Michaels says, now, hold on. We both have equal amounts of power here. I don't understand how that works. But Shawn makes fun of his blowback McMahon hairdo and says, on Raw, I've got just as much stroke as you, so I'll give you this match, but it's no holds barred, falls count anywhere, and I am the second guest referee. So we're going to overbook the shit out of this. Dude, so much unnecessary (laughs) overbooking like this shit. Um, Yeah, it's such crap that this is all happening that China doesn't even get to be a part of it. Um, and this is the other thing too. Like everyone talks about, oh, we don't want authority figures. It's like, no, I think having an authority figure and like someone that makes the final decision in a wrestling on a wrestling show is important in my opinion. What you don't need are competing authority figures. Yes. And you don't need to have like a balances of power. Like I just need one, like NXT. You don't need the authority need- figure balance to be the storyline. Right. Like, yes, I just want William Regal to be the general manager of NXT and he just comes out and makes matches and breaks yeah. up fights sometimes. Yep. That'd be so. fine with me. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have two referees in this match. And as after that announcement, we then see the battling Holly Cousins. They're fighting onto the top of the WWF semi-trailer outside. I mean, are they going to kill each other? Like, good Lord. What, what's the end game here? There's a moment where Crash hits a scoop slam, and immediately you hear him ask, You okay? And Holly says, I'm fine. And then suplexes him right back <laughs> on top of the trailer and then yells at him to stay down. But they continue fighting. And then we see backstage getting the rock stone cold Jericho treatment with the camera yeah. here. Mr. Ass. And we're told he's going to be meeting up against the rock at SummerSlam. That is top guy. Billy Gunn. Uh, you can defend road dog. Fuck off defending Billy Gunn here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, no, no, but oh. I, but I mean, yeah, like, they're you know, trying. Honestly, they're right. like, this they is are. like, like this. He he just won the King of the Ring a few months ago. Like this is, this is peak Billy. Their attempt. They thought, here we go, Billy Gunn. Everybody loves him. He's red hot. It's like he's tall. We <laughs> we like Mr. Ass. We think that's fun. You know, I don't know if I want to watch him fighting or beating people like The Rock or Stone Cold. But yeah, that's what they think. They thought for at least a month or so. Whew. Um, after the break, Triple H is told by Shane McMahon not to worry about anything. You know, he's everything's going like, to work out. He's he sounds like he's could like, you know, like you said, making it like you know, don't worry about this; it's going to be fine. But then he like makes Triple H guarantee a win. He's like, so you're gonna you're gonna beat him, right? And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, we're told there's something wrong with Mister Ass as he makes his way to the ring, and he keeps like. He's not really selling it very well. He just like every once in a while like puts a hand close to his butt and then pulls it back. Um, and as he's making his way out here, Mister Ass to talk about ass things. Chef Boyardee is the sponsor of SummerSlam. I'm sure they love the positioning of that uh, yeah. promotion there. Right. Yeah. As he's as he's you know selling his rash or whatever it is. Um, yeah. That's when I realized I was like, okay, the crowd knows more than I know here as a, a visitor to this timeline because they all have signs reading Mister Rash. And red bottoms yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, Billy tells us that it's a great tragedy and he had a bad reaction to some ass treatment. Herbal ass it, treatment. Yes, yes. His ass is scarred and he's handicapped currently. <laughs> um, but despite all of this, he will be at SummerSlam and, uh, you know, and Rock's face is going to look worse than his ass. So, all right. Yeah. There you go. But as he goes to leave, if you smell, and here comes the Rock and... The fans are chanting for Rock as he stands on the stage. 
They love him so much. They love him so much. And we get we get one of the very few moments where The Rock is imperfect as his voice cracks on Milwaukee and you just see him smile How as soon as he finishes you. it. Finally, The Rock has come back to Milwaukee. <laughs> you see him just kind of smirk mm. as he looks back down. And he's like, oh, shit. Um, yeah. No, that, that was fun. He says on Sunday, you're going to suffer from diarrhea because you're one big piece of chicken shit. <laughs> like, none of it has to make sense. Like, the rock <laughs> is just like the catchphrase machine, man. Yeah. He even sings, well, I'm an asshole, and yeah. the fans love it. Uh, it says, yeah. at SummerSlam, the fans will be on their feet, electricity will run through the building, and he will lay the smacketh down on his candy ass. But then he turns to discuss the rash. Now you're standing in that little bitty ring talking about your ass on how you got a little bit of rash on your ass. The Rock says this. Come on out here, honey. What's this? I, I don't know. It's a handsome young woman. I know that much. Handsome. She looked familiar to you, Billy. It's Rock doesn't know if you remember her or not. You probably don't because you're a goof. Show him your hands. This was a chick oh, who I went ahead and massaged your little bitty pimply ass for an hour. But not with the oriental herbal ass leaves, whatever the hell you were talking about. For this chick rubbed your ass with the people's poison ivy. What? Oh, poison ivy. Oh, this oh, moneymaker. That's why Billy's got that rash. It's poison ivy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love I, the pop for poison ivy on this. This cracked me up. JR also chuckled when he talked about like massaging his ass, ass yep. or whatever. Oh yeah. That. Um, so yeah, totally just unnecessary. This is your feud going into SummerSlam. <laughs> um, I also That's... love like, oh, you might not recognize her, but when she shows you her gloved hands, you're like, oh yeah, I remember. That. I recognize. I was like, gloves. is that supposed to mean that like she's got poison ivy on her hands? That's why she's still wearing the gloves, or is the, are the gloves what she's supposed to remember? I don't know. It was, it was odd. And then yeah. the, the Rock asks her where she's from. She says Chicago, which of course Milwaukee boos the shit out of as soon as she says. Yeah. She says she likes pancakes, and then he tells her to pancake her ass back to Chicago, whatever the fuck that means. The fa- fans don't care. They they cheer. Oh, they love it. They love all of it. Yeah, Rocky then says something about Billy. And this so is the Billy point gonna- where I thought Billy Gunn doesn't get what's happening in this segment because no. we see a shot, and he is lounging on the, the ropes of the ring like his character doesn't care or isn't affected by this. It's like, why would you? You just were told that he purposely got you poison ivy on your ass. Like... You should be infuriated. Like, what the fuck is going on here, Billy? Well, and that is why this is the first and only time he brushes <laughs> shoulders with the top of the card. Because, oh. yeah, you're right. He doesn't get it. Because what also is happening here is that Billy's not defending himself, and The Rock is just burying his oh, ass. He just keeps going. Yeah, he starts talking just keeps about going. sticking a bottle of monkey piss up Billy's ass yeah. sideways. Yeah. And oh. he hasn't even gotten to the ring yet. He goes to the ring. Oh, him narrating himself walking to the ring is fantastic because, like, he's talking about, you know, and then I'll take a few steps and the crowd will start to chant and they start yeah. chanting his name. And then, like, he's, you know, he's getting into the ring and it's so good. But then The Rock attacks and him and Mr. Ass brawl in the ring and Rock throws Billy to the floor. And yeah, they, I mean, I will say, I guess, for the sake of the end of the segment here, you know, Billy comes out on top after using the kendo stick. Yeah. And then, then, and then makes the rock kiss his ass, which I would use quotation marks on that. It was kind of he just like put his cheeks 
to his ass, his <laughs> cheek to cheek, more than it was yeah. lips yeah. to cheek. But yeah, it was Jr. sells it like it was you know someone in the Kiss My Ass Club that would come about in a few years. Uh, but so we go to commercial and we haven't had enough rock apparently. Like you couldn't just go down for the night. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just be down. Billy with the upper hand. No, he cuts. He basically just repeats most of what he said before. Yeah, he tells Cole to shut his mouth. In six short right. days at SummerSlam, I'm going to make your Rudy Pooh candy ass famous. He says directly on the people's ass. Uh, and the king says, my God, it's going to be a kiss my ass match. And so that is apparently yeah. the new stipulation, according to JR. I don't know if that's going to be. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Adding adding a stipulation the on the go home show. That's never great. Um, And then here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dude. Fans all very go nuts as he's losing like every yeah. corner of the ring and the crowd goes wild every time he lifts the belt up. Yeah, it's hard to like un- explain this to people that didn't haven't seen it or didn't see it. Like Yeah. On the level of just mass hysteria like from the audience when I this realized- man is walking to the ring. I realized while watching this, though, so, like, the back of his belt has got, like, a snakeskin to it. Did mm-hmm. you notice that? And it's, it's yeah. like, that's what the back of the uh, the AEW tag belts have, right? It's, like, the exact same coloration yeah. snakeskin on the back as okay. that, that, that title belt. I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting little connection there. Yeah. Um, he, but, yeah, he is also, so at over. this time, just, he's on another planet, man. Like, yeah. he is almost Ultimate Warrior level. Of not even here. He's just so <laughs> high on adrenaline. He throws the belt to the announcers and like almost kills the king and JR. Yes. Who don't catch it, obviously. <laughs> and then I was waiting to see what the hell he was going to do to the king for that, but he lets it slide somewhat. Oh, yeah. So he stands on the announce table, gives the double finger salute to the fans. They all cheer. We learn that Stone Cold is joining the announce team. He doesn't give a damn about who he faces at SummerSlam. So why is he here? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I know it's the character, yeah. but man, just someone to talk so much about how little they care or respect the you know their opponent. It's just interesting. Anyways, match six, main event. I feel like we've said this before. It's a number six. one contenders match. Match six. WCW had 12. I mean, granted, they had another hour at this point, right? Because they're yeah. in the three-hour world, but right. it's ridiculous. Well, it also just speaks a lot to the promo ability mm-hmm. of this roster compared to that one, you know, because WCW True. didn't have a rock that could go out there and waste f- tw- you know, 15 minutes. Rick Steiner so. isn't, isn't, isn't the rock on the mic. <laughs> now Rick's got his one great line. You know, you don't like me, bite me, but after, you know, outside of that, there's not much. Anyways, number one contenders match this time for reels reels. I think it's, uh, you know, mankind taking on triple H who has China in her, his corner. Cause well, she just, Happy she doesn't come out this time. I, I thought oh, she was going true. to be there, but I, I watched it. I was like, okay, yeah. no, she doesn't. But um, and we have two referees. Here, I think later on in the Sh- match, but yeah, Shane McMahon and Commissioner Shawn Michaels are your <laughs> officials for this one. And it's also no holds bar- barred and falls count anywhere. So got to stack some more stipulations on top. Because I also never, in my notes, I've seen my notes here. Steve is actually a little bit confusing here because he talks about how like he cares about who he fights. But he doesn't give a damn which one it is. Yes. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> he wants the main event against m- mankind, but he'll fight China. It doesn't right. matter. Uh, or Triple H. Um, Sean makes his way to the ring in Lieutenant Dangle shorts with the Shawn Michaels yeah. Wrestling Academy t-shirt somehow tucked into those shorts. 
Um, yeah. We get to hear Triple H's music once again as he makes his way to the ring. One, two, is this on? Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that Triple H. Sean and Shane are in the ring as the refs during the match. I thought for sure, like, Sean would just be outside, but no, they're both going to be in the ring, kind of nudging and fighting with each other the whole time. We get Mm -hmm. punches to start. Mankind's in control. Stone Cold talks to the king about sitting too close. I'll tell you what, you better wonder what I'm going to do. You keep sensing me like you're about a foot away. Your breath smells like you're starting to piss me off. Not happy. No, he's great. I mean, man, he's just intense. It's it's something. Uh, Mankind, the fight, of course, goes to the outside. Mankind chokes Triple H against the guardrail. Uh, Triple H, though, hits a clothesline on the floor and then pummels Mankind. Uh, Mick, though, comes back, backdrops Triple H on the steel ramp and covers for a two count. Uh, and that's, you know, Steve and the King asked Steve his question twice in various points of the match. And I was like a second time. I thought Steve was going to kill him, but he just acts like he didn't ask because King asked him about his injuries affecting him at SummerSlam. And Steve's like, nah, it's going to be fine. And then literally like less than five minutes later, <laughs> King would, I just want to know if you think these injuries are going to like, he already answered that shit. Oh goodness. Uh, China though has appeared now. Yeah. Has entered the battlefield. There's, so, like, they keep reminding us that falls count anywhere in the arena. Like you said, Stone Cold does say that he'll pay back whoever it was that hit him with the cinder block, but like you said, not, not really caring about the actual injury portion of it. Um, right. Yeah, China's out here. She clotheslines fully down. Triple H chokes Mankind on the edge of the ramp. China is just part of the match at this point, and I was like, what happened to being the independent, like, number one contender before? Okay, whatever. I guess you're just helping him. Um... Low blow by Mankind on Triple H, and the fans begin chanting Foley, Foley, Foley. Inside cradle by Triple H for a two count on the ramp. And then Foley does the knee into the step spot, but holy shit, China just barely got out of the way of being legit taken down by a just flailing Foley body through the air. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so Triple H is attacking the knee of Mankind. Austin says he'll stun Jesse Ventura if he gets in his way at SummerSlam. Um, we go back inside the ring, and it, Triple H hits a chop block on Mankind. Right at this moment, I, I swear that Shawn Michaels is purposely walking around and standing in front of the cameraman that he thinks is taking Because like, he keeps getting in his ass right into the shot multiple times. And yeah. It's just like, no, this, know, is, this is old Shawn, I guess. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it can't be a coincidence, can it? Probably um, not. Yeah, he was definitely in the way. China's choking Mankind across the bottom rope. Uh, Triple H then would punch Mick outside of the ring and they would fight over the guardrail and then literally just turn around and go back over the guardrail. In a, in a, in a mention that I was just like, maybe, you know, Foley's got braces on under his sweatpants, but triple H has got a knee brace on stone cold is soon to be double knee braced. I don't know if he's got two at this point or just one, but he, he does make the comment of loving watching Triple H go after the little cripple knees of mankind. And I was like, from a man that's going to be like fucking robot legs by the end of his career, it's probably, probably not a great thing to say. And he's got a casket match with Enzo coming up. So, Goodness. Uh, wait, who does? Jerry Lawler is having a casket match with Enzo. Oh, goodness. Goodness. So, I didn't know about that. Anyways, um, Figure four leg didn't. lock by Triple H. Mankind gets the rope break. And China behind the ref's well, back is choking her. No, like you they, said. they do a good job of explaining because like they're ready to jump on the ref, 
but they don't give a break necessarily. I think like they fully pulled, just like, like pulled himself to the edge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we get Foley or Mankind sent into the crowd. Mankind slammed Triple H head on a chair and throws him back into ringside. We get a running clothesline on the floor, and Stone Cold suggests covering, but Triple H runs Mankind into the ring post and then back into the ring. Triple H grabs a chair. Sean steals the chair away from him before he can use it, and as the refs are fighting over the chair, we get a double-arm DDT by Mankind, and he points down for Sako, grabs it, locks it on, but Triple H hits the back suplex onto the chair for the counter, and both men are down as the refs are counting. But they're counting for opposite people, and we get a 1-2-3 double victory, and confusion abounds. Yeah, we had simultaneous covers. Uh, Shane, of course, says Triple H won. HBK says Mankind won. Um, you know, they're both confusing Tony Chimmel at ringside J- about the decision. JR thinks we're about to get a Shane versus Sean ma- match here because he says these two are going to get it on. Yeah. Um, HBK, though, stopped Chimmel from announcing that Triple H was the winner. <laughs> and we eventually settle on it will be a triple threat match at SummerSlam. And it, it took, like you say, eventually, because it takes like two to three minutes of them yeah. just like arguing and Stone Cold losing his damn mind about, well, who won the match? Who won the damn yeah. match? It's like, I thought you didn't care, motherfucker. Like, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so again, it's now a triple threat match. Yes, Why both men have won the of, match. Right. Why at the beginning of the night, we couldn't just made it a triple threat match with China and Triple H being in there. Yeah, and we had instead we went through all this, you know, all these shenanigans. Um, but yeah, Triple H and Mankind fight in the ring. Steve Austin just kind of walks away, and uh, well, he punches the end of- Shane in the face. Yeah, right. And but yeah, yeah, he just kind of leaves there as he looks on from the ramp with his belt. The rest of the people are brawling. Sergeant yep. Slaughter gets in the ring and takes a pedigree right before we have to close the show, and Stone Cold <laughs> flips him off before we go off the air. So yeah, there you go. That's- Overall, I thought yeah. like really easy watch. Like we oh, yeah. you know, we joke about some of the points of the show that don't aren't great, and the in the overall you know s- direction of the China character is pretty disappointing. But mm-hmm. as far as like a show that has a storyline that runs through an episode that makes sense and is you know entertaining to watch as a go home for the the pay per view, they did right. a really good job here. I thought. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it's <clears throat> you know. Again, I, I, the show it's it's fast, it's a lot, you know, it's dense, a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Um, some things hold up better than others, obviously, um, but overall, like you said, enjoyable. Certainly a nice trip down memory lane. Uh, the China thing just does really bother me. I just think it's a shitty way to kind of end things up for her. Yeah, um, she's got her intercontinental title deal ahead of her with Chris Jericho and stuff, but uh, you yeah. know, it's not quite the same. And I could do without listening to the goddamn DX band singing Triple H 17 times in an episode. But all right. Uh, Second opinions. There was very little I could find about the show in terms of reaction. But I did find a blog that reviewed this show in Mm. 2011. It was Kevin on rawwrestlingrants.com. He posted the review in 2011. So I thought we could use him to do star ratings to kind of do our wrap up comparison here. So match one, Tony Road Dog versus Al Snow. Ending in disqualification, what'd you give it? I'm going to give it no stars. I'm with I didn't you. Star- I'm just going to do these on the fly, by the way. I didn't star these. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, he, he gave it one star and added in his commentary, so sick of interference. And I was like, oh, just wait. <laughs> uh, match yeah. number two, Triple H versus China. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's not really much to it, and it ends 
with kind of bullshit, um, I'll give it no stars. I, I might give it a half a star just for the mankind yeah. inter- interaction, but it, yeah. as far as the storyline for China, it just makes it even worse. Um, but right. he gave it two stars, saying nice to see mankind again. Uh, match okay. three, Test versus Blackman. <laughs> like, I mean, they're just TV matches. They're just they, hitting each other the, with kendo sticks in this one. None too. of these matches deserve anything. I'm going to give it zero <laughs> stars again. <laughs> one and a half from Kevin. Oh, uh, whatever. Our wrestling rants saying angle advancement. Uh, match four, Kane and X-Pac versus the Acolytes for the WWF Tag Team titles. This was at least kind of something. I'll give it half a star. Okay, half a star seems f- fair. Maybe a little low, but uh, uh, Kevin gave it two and a half, saying solid Jesus. and clean match! Exclamation um, point. Okay. Match five, Mankind versus China. Um, you know, I thought it was an interesting match. Mankind kind of managing to not punch her and things like that. To yeah. Still, you know, having a good match. Uh, I'll give him. I'll give it a star. I'm with you. I I can see a star. Uh, he liked it even more. Star and a half, but called it overbooked. Okay. Uh, oh. Match six, Mankind versus Triple H. You know, it's a, they walk around and brawl. It's There's two referees. There's, there's two referees. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of shit here. The ending kind of sucks. I'll give it a star. I'm with you. This is not a great match. It's just storyline stuff. Right. Kevin, three stars. Nice main event. It set up the most convoluted manner possible, but it was the right call. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Kevin, but anyways. Yeah, either. Uh, he also thought this was the company's best show in weeks and had him looking forward to SummerSlam. Gave the show a 3.5 out of 5 for the overall match. Uh, Cage Match only had two reviews. One was from 2021. It was 6 out of 10, but it was in German. The other came from 2018. It was a 7 out of 10. As the old school wrote... And said, last Raw is War episode before SummerSlam 99 and one of the wildest and weirdest episodes of all time. Crash Holly made his debut. Rock cut it a cool promo and Undertaker cut it a terrible one. That was fortunately ended by Chris Jericho. The booking of SummerSlam main event is one of the stupidest things in wrestling I ever saw. I am almost sure that Vince Russo was part of that. However, in some way, I enjoyed it. It's so bad that it's good. Main event is nice, even though with another dumb ending. End of the review. 7 out of 10. <laughs> 7 out of 10, exactly. I was like, as I was listening to that, I was like, it doesn't sound like a 7 out of 10. <laughs> I hate to like, see what he gives a show he doesn't like. Oh, So yeah, so there's some other people that thought that about this episode of Raw, but overall, if you're looking for, you know, old school Raw, Attitude Era, this is prime time, and it's an easy, you know, kind of encapsulated episode that you could check out. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is certainly, if you're a fan of the era, this is all going to be, you know, very enjoyable for you there's not exactly anything awful on this show like you might find in some episodes so uh yeah no certainly not a painful experience by any means no so that is our thoughts on raw from august 16th of 1999 but tony we've got to continue on it's SummerSlam, Summerfest era it's, it's the Summerfest season i should say where are we heading well dp we are going to celebrate the biggest party of the summer by going back to 2012 for that year's edition of SummerSlam that features a main event between the recently returned Brock Lesnar and Triple H 
who we just saw a lot of on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk defending his WWE Championship against Big Show and John Cena. Uh, there's a Daniel Bryan and Kane match. Chris Jericho and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Rey Mysterio and The Miz. So, yeah. You know, some things, certainly some fun things to look forward to here. Some, some good times to look back on. Absolutely. No, I'm mean, I mean, very interested to see what this show feels like uh, going back and, and watching it here. Uh, just to see, like, you know, what arena they're in, that sort of a thing, being that it's a little bit later here. Um, oh, True. It's Staples Center, but I forgot about that, like, five years in a row they went to L.A. for SummerSlam. Oh, yeah. It was Indianapolis's fault. They went to Indianapolis and they were in L.A. 2008, and then they just went back to L.A. for L.A. and New York. That's it for SummerSlam. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's next week. In the meantime, if people want to keep up with us, they can do so very easily. It's uh, Just check out social media, both Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. Follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for SummerSlam 2012. I did everything for you. I made everything about you. None of this would be possible without me and you. Then bite the hand that feeds you. You turn on me, you screw me. Then bite the hand that feeds you. You turn on me, you screw me. Remember, remember when, uh, okay. So, um, we talked rampage in the dish, uh, you know, and also of course mentioned this, but you know, uh, triple mania took place just the night before we were recording this and it saw Kenny Omega defend his triple a championship against Andrade. Mm -hmm. Maybe more interestingly, was that Ric Flair was in the corner of his possible future son-in-law. Yes. Uh, and punched Kenny Omega and was laying chops and figure four leg locks. We've, we've learned that there must just be, like, no way to enforce anything in Mexico because, like, <laughs> copyright law, n- like, contract law, nothing matters. You can come and do whatever you want in Mexico like they they'll have fucking Captain America in a match on their biggest well, yeah. show of the year, Spider-Man. and then they'll have Ric Flair show up ten days after he's cut by the WWE. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, who knows about Rick's contract? I mean, it could be different with someone that was on probably like a Legend or and something like that. It's probably one of those things where if it's not broadcast on a main station in the USA, right. it doesn't count. So I could understand that, but I mean, it was damn near impossible to watch in the United States. Exactly. So yeah, they probably don't care too much. Uh, but anyway, good stuff there. Charlotte was also in attendance backstage. Uh, I did see some blowback on that because uh, she was apparently advertised to be at a live event in Charlotte and uh, ah. was not <laughs> as she was seen in pictures with were, Ric Flair Conan and Andrade. There were no flares at WWE in North Carolina, apparently. In Charlotte. South Carolina. So anyways, <clears throat> I don't know. But anyways, you know, cool stuff there. There's also been a lot of like, Ooh, he lost the Impact title. Why not lose the AAA? And I saw the people that I follow on Twitter and kind of keep some idea of what's going on in Mexico talking about how they were relieved that Andrade didn't win the title because that probably means 
that Omega is going to drop it to like a Vikingo or Psycho Clown. Someone who's more someone who legitimately out of their promotion, not some. Yes. Someone who guessing. works there um, <laughs> because they were saying that even if Andrade had won it, he was going to work a similar schedule to Omega. You know, it's not like yeah. he was going to be signed full time to AAA. So uh, they weren't necessarily nearly as upset about it as some people up here that think they know what's about, you know, what the people down there care about. So because <laughs> <laughs> it's mean, also funny, I saw like a listing of AAA's champions. And at this point, you know, Omega's their world champion. He's an AEW. Deanna Parazzo won their women's title. She signed to Impact. Yeah. Um, you know, their they're tag champions are the Lucha Bros, which people were just like, yeah, we kind of forgot that They've they were still the AAA tag for forever. Yeah, I thought they were going to lose them the last time that there's there was some random ass AAA. Show. It might have been the last Triple Mania that was like yeah. available on tw- Twitch or something, and I watched part of it. And I remember watching the Lucha Brothers match, and it was just like, oh okay, right. Uh, Black Taurus is one of their champions, and he's basically an Impact star at this point, a free agent. So, uh, just interesting company down there. They do it things is. a little bit differently. Um, New Japan Surgeons DP took place uh here in the states los angeles mm-hmm. california um you know some notable happenings included the tomohiro ishii moose match which apparently everyone just has been raving about apparently like really? it's okay apparently like yeah like people were amazed at how like, great it kind of ended up being actually but yeah tomohiro ishii I just seen- moose I had just seen a few tweets from people that like, you know, general, like, you know, the Dave Meltzer's and, and other people mm-hmm. like that talking about how they're like, yeah, Tomohiro Ishii, we've, we've known he's like great for a long time. It's just, people don't just know about it for some reason in the United right. States. Absolutely. So, yeah. So Ishii getting the win over Moose, the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows beat John Moxley and Yuji Nagata. Uh, that was Jay cool. White. That's a, that's a fun pairing up after their, their history with their match in the past. Yeah, and now it looks as if we're on a collision course with the uh, Gorillas of Destiny and the Good Brothers. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and similar to the uh, the two sweet with Sting picture, the the shot of Mox doing the salute behind Yuji Nagata's salute, I was like, that is fucking perfect. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, so Moxley is just so lovable these days. Um, Jay White defended his never open weight championship against David Finley. Those two obviously have quite a storied history. You know, it's a good. Long-running angle there. Still a lot of talks. I know I know I'd mentioned this probably over a month ago, but a lot of talk about Mr. Finley and what his future may hold. Oh, that okay. may be the WWE. So we'll see about that. And in the main event, DP, for the first time in the championship's existence, a Japanese-born superstar is the United States champion. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Lance Archer to win the U.S. title. And New Japan is like, screw you all. We're taking our damn belt back with us, <laughs> and none of you can have it ever again, all right? I mean, maybe this also might be the no, way that you, yeah. you set up the potential match that I've heard sprinkling, uh, you know, talks and whispers about of, of Tanahashi and Moxley at All Out. That's right. I mean, yes, if that's sir. the case, that would be, a v- I'd be really happy with that, but I don't know. I'm curious to see where this goes from here. Well, Moxley's been very clear about wanting a top New Japan pro wrestling star, and the top star at least for a moment in the company also has medically been cleared and made his return that one will osprey oh okay gotcha, uh, the ref, yeah. still the current ref pro heavyweight champion he of course is claiming to be the you know still iwgp heavyweight champion yeah 
And uh, there's been some rumor that that could be Mr. Moxley's opponent and, at all out. I mean, if you're if you're just throwing wishes out there, you know, <laughs> Okada would also be a fun return after the all out match. I mean, wow, they're all in match. If they only would give us that. Um, but anyway, so you know, fun stuff happenings there. Uh, you know, successful show. I didn't go over the whole card. There was a lot of the dojo guys and six man tags and guys from New Japan Strong that you know all don't necessarily care all about. But um, you know. Good stuff all together. Yeah. Like you said, I, I love the Tanahashi thing because I do feel like that's probably the most likely angle. We've we got it off Moxley without Tanahashi beating him. Now Tanahashi gets the belt. You mm-hmm. know, and now maybe we've in a roundabout way get our Tanahashi Moxley match. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we had that weird promo on Dynamite. That's the only reason that I'm that I'm like clinging to this because he was like, I yeah. want you regardless of if you win this title or not. <laughs> He's just yeah. like, I want to fight you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, so yeah, the uh, March to SummerSlam continued. Uh, Randy Orton made his return to Monday Night Raw after being gone for, well, they've never yeah. given any reason. And just, no one seems to be willing to give a reason. <laughs> I think I have a good idea of what may have kept him out. The thing that they like, to, they don't like to talk about. The uh, oh, the, old, the 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 thing that they so famously overlooked with the where the hell you been? Yeah, the old <laughs> virus. But I'm not, you know, just speculating there. Anyways, he's back. Uh, obviously, Riddle's really excited. Uh, you know, and told a story about you know it, it's like his dad left 22 years ago to get milk, and you know he thought that Randy had disappeared the same way. You know, just this whole thing and. <laughs> Randy just asked, why do you think that I would want to team with you ever again? But before they could completely break up, AJ Styles and Omos came out and insulted them both. Everyone brawled. So, you know, it, it, it pays off. There's more to come. Uh, okay. Baron Corbin, the poor man who is just capturing the hearts of WWE Universe lately, <laughs> um, made his way to Raw from SmackDown because, well, he needs money. And uh, he's here to fight Drew McIntyre because he's lost everything. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Drew McIntyre for... Drew McIntyre was almost willing to look like give him some support. They should Baron have, Corbin. They they should have gone meta with it and had him sign up as an extra <laughs> and be a security guard in, in like an <laughs> in, during an angle. Yeah. They could be. I mean, you, I don't know. We'll see. After what happened on SmackDown, though, I think it might be about over. But anyways, um, Drew he asked Drew McIntyre for a hundred thousand dollars, which of course Drew scoffed at and uh, beat him in a match. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, Orton has a match with AJ Styles, and he tells Riddle he doesn't want him at ringside and says, don't call me bro. So, <laughs> Rocky Waters here. Uh, Karrion Cross beat Jeff Hardy. Got it, it back. Was, he's he's whole again, Tony. I just, at this now, point. It's like, it's like we never heard him heard him before. It's, it, it's, it's all the vase has been put back together. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I don't even know what they're doing. At least he's winning matches. <laughs> Um, is good God? Is, is yes, he go making ahead. entrances? Is is he having his actual yes, music? Yeah, is the, are the lights flashing? Is fucking Scarlet is there? Like no Scarlet. I still don't understand not, why we can't just not, present him in the way he's been presented in NXT on the main. No roster. idea. No idea. No, I know. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Adam Cole famously called him in a promo. You know, without the girl and the smoke and the lights, you're just another guy. Exactly. And well, he's kind of proving that on Raw. Yeah. Oh, uh, but so is anybody, you know, just weird musical changes because we talked about it last week on current wrestling when I was talking about how like on dark, all of a sudden 
there like Orange wouldn't have the, his. He would have like the old Best Friends music. Apparently, mm-hmm. that the reason is that because Mox also has like old music on there. Ah. It's all of that licensed stuff keeps getting YouTube ticked, and it keeps getting taken down. And so they have to, <laughs> even though they own perfectly good licenses to broadcast it, they can't put it on their YouTube shows. <laughs> oh, YouTube, you are the worst. Um, you know, I don't even get mad about this stuff anymore because you would think that. I would on this one. Alexa Bliss beat Dewdrop. You know, that's fine. Problem is, is how she beat Dewdrop, and that was when the doll Lily winked at Dewdrop <laughs> from the corner. And that distracted her and she got like, rolled up. Like CGI winked. Like the doll's propped up on the turnbuckle, Dewdrop standing looking at the corner. We cut to a tight shot of the doll's face that is obviously, you know, pre-produced or yeah. whatever. And it the doll winks and there's even like an audible so, sound effect. We're, and then we cut to Dewdrop's shocked face and then she got rolled up and beat. We're live in front of people now. How did the the crowd react? Audible groan I have understand? in my notes. Okay. Cuz I I would imagine they just got the Titantron. You know, probably was a Titan shot from the Titan, the Titan shot. That would make sense. So, y'all wondered how they're going to do this with fans. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, God. Um, anything else of note? Elias threw his guitar hey, into a fire. I will fire- say, oh, I'm sorry. I, will, yeah. I will point out, though, just because it seemed like, you know, when they, I mean, well, who knows? Now there's seemingly tweets teasing that Bray's on the way back. But when they cut uh, Bray Wyatt, it, it seemed like, you know, well, you cut Bray Wyatt at the round, around the same time that you also just like got rid of the doll all of a sudden on television after going super hard with her for a while. Yeah, and it was just that- like, well, if you're not even going to use it for anybody, like, come on. And so at least, at least in that sense, it's probably good to have the doll back because at least you're using the gimmick. But I mean, true, I, it's not like I want to see the gimmick, but it's it's there. Because it's funny you bring that up because that everybody there's so many things to be mad at on a weekly basis. This thing that you and I had talked about that before, and I still think about that. Why did we drop the doll for a month? Yeah, they just dropped it. It was weird. They just—I was like, okay, good. They realized it was kind of too much, and they yeah. like, no, no, no. It, I don't know. Because it's been a I've month noticed- just like trying out things on like before the show, like to see if they can make it look real in the arena or something. Right. Who knows? Because the other thing that I and maybe I'm looking too much into it, or just a week with a different look. I feel like, especially since Bray's left, she's losing the fiend in like i'm not saying this is a character it's not like something they're purposely doing no no no. i'm just saying i'm not saying this is fairly related i I wonder if it's like just consciously doing it because he's feel like there's less of the fiend influence on her overall look now like she's almost gone it's almost like full harley quinn kind of i was wondering if it was like they're just gonna soften it to a harley quinn look it's that's at least what i felt like (laughs) i feel like there's a lot less demonic to it the eyes aren't you know what i mean i feel like they're maybe trying to kind of shy away from that a little bit Problem is, though, is that as they shy away from that, they turn harder into schoolyard little girl thing, which isn't which, good. Yeah, isn't great. And then it also, you know, when every match involving her has to have a moment where we all stand and go like this and then, like, move our <laughs> hand. Oh, God, poor thing. Um, Elias is no more, DP. Tosses his guitar into a fire. There's a vignette. I, I saw just the vignette on Twitter. I didn't understand. There was no context to it. I didn't know that, what was happening. Nope. No. Well, he was like, listen, if I'm going to keep losing to Jackson Riker, then it's time for me to just walk away. So, uh, But anyways, we'll see what happens with Elias. Um, 
obviously that was dead. I mean, they had wrung that towel dry. There was nothing. I saw left. speculation he's just going to come back, known as Samson, and just be like a regular wrestler that doesn't <laughs> like music. Oh God! Well, who knows? That's about <laughs> as creative as they would get. Um, I do want to mention, I guess, while we're on the raw topic, Keith Lee did release a video. Uh, yes. Explaining. Yeah. His why his absence after you had mocked me and said that he was just joking when he said that text out. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you say that because I was listening to we watch wrestling who were also the they had they kind of that's where I learned about the the whole Keith Lee tweet and then when I looked right. it up and saw the name was eventually or whatever I was like it seems like right. this is a joke and then like this past week's episode was released like the day they must have recorded the day before Keith actually released it. And oh. so, like, it was still them going, like, talking about how it's just a joke and mocking it. <laughs> so, it's like, it just, it, the timed out terribly for them because then it came yeah. out the next day at like, the same time. And so, right. it was just, as I was listening to it after having watched the Keith Lee thing, I was like, oh, well, this feels bad now. Now I feel bad for what I said. <laughs> no, anyways, um, kind of, I think, what a lot of people have maybe feared. Now, obviously, not to maybe the extent of it. I think initially mm-hmm. this is kind of what a lot of people thought maybe the issue was. But, you know, it was COVID-related. He had contracted the virus, and uh, he's one of those people that it just had a real bad oh, yeah. impact on him quickly. You know, heart-related issues and mm-hmm. uh, just completely on his, I mean, knocked on his ass. I mean, for most of this time that he's been gone, apparently. Um, that's also why Mia Yim hasn't been you know, on TV or involved in, you know, she's been apparently at his side. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, when you're that, you know, if you're that sick, it's like, there's, you need almost mm -hmm. like a caretaker at that point. Well, and due to the close contact as well. I mean, obviously she, it would be for the best, but, um, you know, so obviously it's great to see him back. He's still working himself back into shape. Um, they still won't want to grow his beard, but, well, look at poor Otis, all right? If you want to talk about beards, I mean, yeah. nobody needs it more than he does. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's great to see him back. It's impressive that he could even be in the ring having matches as he's been honest about, you know, working himself back into shape after he wasn't able to do anything. And a man that size can't do nothing for too long before it, you know. Oh, yeah. He's, that's, 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 that's a lot of mass. That's a big man. You know, he's got it. You know, it's not just as easy as getting back up on your feet and going out there and having 10 minute matches. No, for sure. And it's like there's, you know, obviously it was he was an extreme case as far as like the effects of this. But like mm-hmm. there's other wrestlers that like Nick Jackson, you know, disappeared for like three weeks that one time and then like came back and talked about like, oh, yeah, no, it was real bad. Like he was like, I was, you know, really. And then for a few months after that, like he, you, you can go back and watch. I didn't notice that at the time, but like going back and seeing some of the matches since then, you can see mm-hmm. like in those tag matches, he just wouldn't be as involved as everyone right. else. You know, he wouldn't get that big shine, you know, flow spot. He would just have a basic point, you know, and like it took him a while to get back to normal. And I don't even know if he still is at this point because I noticed oh. in the most recent tag match, I was like, yeah, Nick's like not really in this match all that much compared to everybody else. <laughs> um, so main event, Randy beats AJ Styles. Um, he hit an RKO out of the air as Styles was going for the phenomenal forearm. It was pretty cool. Um, Riddle had taken almost out who had gotten involved. You know, even after Randy just said he didn't want him at ringside. After the match, Riddle was kind of... You know, hey, looking for like the let's celebrate together. And Randy kept trying to leave the ring, and Riddle kept, you know, turning him back around and saying, "Hey, come on, Randy, let's be." Bu-. And like the third time Riddle did it, he got hit with the RKO. So, <laughs> makes you know, sense. I don't know. I don't know if that means they're done, done, but it's you know not good. You know, Randy doesn't play well with others for long. So, well, 
I mean, as much as you know, Randy Orton has done well for himself over the last few years. I, it, it felt like he had hit kind of a stale point before they discovered this whole thing. And it's right. like, I don't know that necessarily his character would do well moving away from this at this point in time. <laughs> no, I still like, feel like you're getting probably... back to serious Randy is not what we all want at this point. Right. I feel like we're going to probably get him in riddle against Styles and almost for the tag belts at SummerSlam. So meet on the pre-show of SummerSlam or the, the go home smackdown of SummerSlam. I mean, God, who knows it? I, I, Cause SummerSlam is one of those shows. They'll make it four or five hours long if they want to. So probably we shall see NXT, the yellow and black brand, uh, Dakota Kai on her way to Cor- a title match with Rick. Yes. Will they be yellow and black for long is the question. God, I, I, uh, this week I was wondering how much, if any difference, we're going to have the purple and green brand brand. I think it's Vince. That's what's going to happen is Vince is going to hand the reins to Jeff Hardy and he's going to be like, he, Mm. he's, he, he's, he's hip. He gets what the kids want. Let's give, there you go. (laughs) Let's give him the vision. Yeah. He'll lose interest in six weeks and then what? Um, so yeah. So Dakota Kai got a win over Sarai. I just want aluminummies in the crowd. That's all. But, (laughs) Uh, solid stuff. Dakota Kai was beating Sarai up after the match. Raquel Gonzalez ran in and ran her off. Now, this had been promoted for a week that Raquel was going to finally speak on Dakota's betrayal. They promoted it with the beginning of the show. They promoted it. Mm-hmm. They showed her. They showed her arriving at the building. This is it. She runs Dakota off, gets in the ring and says that she will never be champion. And if she wanted a shot at this belt, all she had to do was ask. And that it was wasn't it. great. It wasn't great. It wasn't any more <laughs> profound than that. She didn't talk deeply about their relationship or the betrayal. It was that. It was an out of breath yelling promo about how she couldn't beat her. Gotcha. Fun. Oh, yeah, they promoted that as like tune in next week for Drakel. <laughs> um, we'll just do all of these now because it was good fun and they were spread out throughout the show. But the date between Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are on the, you know, in the house talking about how they need to make this work for Indy. Um, they already ran Austin off. Johnny says he's probably wandering around in the woods half-dressed somewhere right now. Um, <laughs> so they want to try to make it work for Indy. Uh, Candice mentions that they bought this house so they could both have their own rooms and uh, you know all this. Candice then asks Indy if she has protection, to which Indy laughs and says that she's a former women's tag team champion and doesn't need protection. Candice just Leaves it at that and doesn't, you know, just kind of rolled her eyes. Okay. Uh, Dexter arrives at the house. <laughs> Johnny sits him down in the living room and asks Dexter what his intentions are with Indy, which Dexter just stares blankly back at him. And that was the end of that one. <laughs> uh, part two, we're now at the restaurant. Indy is ordering chicken fingers for the both of them and talks about how great chicken fingers are. Uh, she hears some kind of radio transmission and finds Candace listening in um and transmitting with Johnny from another table, and so they're busted, and uh, they, you know, they have to change plans. Part three: Johnny has decided to dress up as the waiter for Indy and Dexter, and uh, the disguise does not go this well was with the, Indy. The image that I saw after NXT was over—that was the thing I saw everywhere on Twitter. Yeah, uh, there's a cake that gets involved. Of course, it ends up in the face of Dexter Loomis. Uh, Gargano, you know, the gigs up, says, see you at home, and runs away. And, uh, you know, Dexter just sits there with cake on his face, and Indy's happy, as can be. Nice. Is that the last one, or is there more? That No, that was it. So Okay. They almost kissed, but we didn't get to see it. They blocked the <laughs> camera, so. 
Now, you know, we've talked about, you know, kind of the undoing of the way here the last few weeks right. and, and the way they've kind of slowly been falling apart. Did you see the announcement from Candace and, and yeah. uh, Johnny this week about the, the pregnancy? I was yes. curious if maybe that being knowledge for them maybe a little bit sooner than that than has been now is uh maybe part of the reason that this was kind of winding down it's like let's go ahead and start pairing people off now so that way it makes sense when she just disappears and it's just johnny that we don't have the way still around <laughs> yeah yeah i would imagine that uh well obviously candace won't be working anymore until she's you know yeah for a long time um so and probably will also fall off tv she's i don't know the- if there'll be She's gonna go and and visit with Becky for like two weeks before Becky's finally back out of the maternity ward. And yeah, I like Jamie Hader's look there at a old rampage there too. Did they see like people that were like doing the shots? They were like almost like it was Becky Lynch. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because dude, she did. She looked anyways. (laughs) Um, so yeah, fun stuff from the way. Here comes Ilya Dragunov making his first appearance on NXT. Um, you know, listen, it he. He he cuts a promo. He's pretty good. But then Pete Dunne came out and took credit for putting NXT UK on the map. It's like, dude, you were there for like the first month. And then they didn't want to fucking hurt your credibility anymore by losing to Walter over and over. So well, they just took you off the show. Yeah, it was like it was like you kind of were like more you had more credit in like putting the, like just the idea of a UK scene on the NXT mind with like that tournament that they did. Right. And then but. they took you away. And Tyler Bate won that, for God's sakes. <laughs> Mustache Mountain, remember those guys? And, yeah, Jesus. where the fuck has Tyler Bate been from since then? He's, he's he there. signed I mean, to the WWE? Oh, yeah, he's doing his thing, and, <laughs> you know, just nobody hears about it. Um, but anyways, yeah, those two are going to fight later. L.A. Knight says there is nothing special about Cameron Grimes. He doesn't want to hear about Ted DiBiase. Um, there was literally a Sonic cup sitting next to, like, the million-dollar title, like, while they were having their little discussion. Uh, L.A. Knight beat Andre Chase. Let's all go post-match. to Applebee's for a post-match get-together. Uh, post-match, Knight was going to make Grimes kiss his boots, but here comes Ted DiBiase. DiBiase says Cameron has a lot to offer, a lot more to offer than being a butler, and says he believes in him. Uh, DiBiase says L.A. should defend the title again. Knight isn't hearing that. He says he's beaten him twice already. But I'll tell you what, if I beat Cameron Grimes at TakeOver 36, then Ted DiBiase will have to be the butler of L.A. Knight. Ooh, so there you go. All the right, match has been made. <laughs> um, I was I was really happy to see this. It was a nice coming out for her. Gigi Dolan had a vignette, you know, promo kind of talking about running through the women's division, and uh, mentions that she won't be alone, which because uh, she's going to be managed by Mandy Rose, I think. Anyways, uh, okay. uh, then Gigi Dolan came out with J.C. Jane, and she beat Amari Miller. So. Uh, you know, good stuff. Just looks like they're about to get behind Gigi, which is good because you know they certainly need to keep you know promoting new women. I don't know what you're talking about. Io Shirai just needs to get another title shot at this point. So, well, yeah, she does, <laughs> or she needs to get off the, sh- or she needs to get off the show. You're not wrong with that. Um, we had a Cole and O'Reilly face to face. I'm so sick of this. So sick of it. We've got to have the undisputed finale, Tony. Jesus Christ! Three stages of hell. But in typical WWE fashion. It's never as much fun as it was when you get to make these matches in the video game. What's well, the first stipulation? Regular match. <laughs> like, like, Jesus Christ. What's the second stipulation? Street fight. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I think this yeah. has pretty much been every one of these. And the third stipulation, as chosen by William Regal himself, the steel cage match. So, 
Yeah. Whatever. Good God, these two. Just, Which, and you know, this is the one. This the is third, one of those things I had to. Yeah. When the third stipulation is a steel cage, it's like it, it's probably going to get to the third stipulation right. at that point. Better. Um, th- one of the things that I have seen people talk about, like kind of maybe one of the problems with NXT, and that's maybe caused a bit of its downfall a little bit. Is are these epic feuds? Every yeah. feud in this company goes down like this. <laughs> you know, everybody has to have six matches. It's all it's it, all you know. Sean versus Hunter. It's all just blood feuds. For oh, you're right. It is. It's all <laughs> ugh, yes. Um, NXT breakout semifinals. Odyssey Jones got the win over Trey Baxter um, with a 205 live, all but drying up. I, oof. Trey Baxter is so talented. The former Christian Blake that just got here. This was kind of a squash also. Oh, really? And it's just like, ah, what are they going to do with guys like you now? Like, I'm just worried that, I mean, there is still a cruiserweight division. Yeah. But did you see, I, mean, I hope the best, I hope the best for them. someone posted on squared circle this week. It was uh, an image of, uh, cause there's a lot of talk about roster numbers and there was an image mm-hmm. of the two Oh five live roster as, as listed by the <laughs> WWE network's website. And it was just like oh, four dude. people. Yeah. Like, and like yeah. one of them is the official. Yeah. <laughs> I thought like not, uh, Nigel McGinnis was still on there too. Yeah, who, Nigel, who that was who I was thinking of being the official. Yeah. I was like, okay, who hasn't been a commentator on that show in a long time? Um, Brian Kendrick, Nigel McGinnis, and like two other yeah. guys. It's like, all right, well, because then this week they had like Josh Briggs got a win over Joe Gacy on Two Five Live, and the news was, was that, that part of the tournament. Or no, those those guys- no, that was just two heavyweights fighting on Two Five Live <laughs> for no reason, and then like the article said that apparently expect to see more of that as they're not going to necessarily be limited by weight. So what does 205 mean? Like, they, what they, it means nothing. Give it a new it's name. Nothing. Why is it not just called like Velocity? It's what everybody. Yeah, you're right. That's what everybody wants. Um, <sighs> so yeah. Um, Did you see the terrible Josh Briggs promo on the WWE.com? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I told you. I don't know how He's that guy survived know, that last. I don't time. like you. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know how he survived those cuts. I have oh. no idea. Nope. Uh <laughs> Boa got a win over Drake Maverick. So the TN Sean stuff's not completely done. Mei Ying, though, now like walks all the way to ringside, apparently, because she spit and missed into the eyes of Drake, and that's what cost him the match. Not great for Drake Maverick either, who was just in the ring when this thing happened. Like, didn't get oh, an entrance. Okay. <sighs> Another guy that I don't know. I mean, he his... was he was a guy that they tried to get rid of once, and due to like internet backlash, they allowed back in. He's somebody though that I have no fear for because he is going to go be a big part of wh- whoever hires him. Oh yeah, he's great, and this company just sucks and doesn't know how to like properly use him. So. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 a guy that any other company could totally just put with anyone and give yes. a mic to, and you've got something he's, going. Yeah, he's also really good in the ring. Um, Pete Dunn and Ilya Dragunov had a match. Dunn actually got the win because Walter came out and that distracted Dragonov and whatever. It was fun watching Dragonov and Walter have a ball after the match. So nice, good stuff there. Um, Is that going to be a takeover? Yeah. Okay. Ilya Ilya Dragonov and Walter two for the UK title at Takeover. So chess will be beaten. Yes, I would imagine it won't be pretty. <laughs> it will not be pretty. Um, it was the go home show for Rampage. Who knew at the time, you know, as we were leading to our debut of Rampage. Um, it was Dino Might, though. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, what was Rampage going home to? What, where are we going yeah. with this? Fun opener. Uh, obviously, Dante Martin got a lot of talk online oh. after this matchup. Yeah. With, with the Elite defeating the Seidel brothers and Dante Martin in six-man tag action. 
great fun classic AEW opener here mm-hmm. uh, with Dante really shining. Exactly. It, they they made a specific effort to really make Dante Martin look awesome. Yeah. And man, he did. And this crowd, like they came out and it was kind of cool to that team when they came out. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't super hot for Matt's, Matt and Mike, Mark Seidel or whatever the other guys. Mike. Mike Seidel and, uh, <laughs> and Dante here. But man, when, it, when he hit like a few of those like really high arching like jumps and stuff, like the crowd just went nuts and it got people standing up. And like, of course, you know, when you have the elite on the other side, people are already into that. And so like it. It was just it was a lot of fun and it really got the show off to a good start. Absolutely. And uh you know, post match beatdown was thwarted by I, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. I even like caught caught myself getting like worried like worked up thinking like, well maybe you know, maybe they let him give Kenny a pin and we go <laughs> somewhere with that later on, but nope, nope, nope. No, nah, not yet. Um yeah, so Christian Christian Cage and Jurassic Express made the save after the match. Cage calls Callus a carny. Um, and we hear the news that Omega, <laughs> he, Kenny Omega. He, what he he said like a carny piece of shit, but then yeah. said, "Well, let me correct that." And then like had a better line for the second one. And I was like, "Did you just forget that line?" And then say "piece of shit" as a default, and then realize like, "Ah, that wasn't as good as what I actually had planned." Let me go back. <laughs> Probably. Um, but yes, we learned that Kenny Omega will be defending the Impact Championship on Rampage against Christian Cage. Yes, so. and a and a move that for two days set the internet world abuzz of is AEW failing everyone with their booking. Um, it's, I just saw a lot of criticism about this. Oh, idea. I, yeah, of course. We'll talk. Yeah, we talked about that a lot earlier. But yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Jurassic Express also learned that they were beginning a tag team title match next week on Dynamite. So yeah, titles all around for all the good guys, except for Hangman Page. Um, Darby Allen beat Daniel Garcia. Uh, really solid stuff between these two who are not strangers to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to They continue sting. to very quickly establish this Garcia and 2.0 tag team. Man, I'm really liking it so far. Especially Garcia, man. I mean, he is, he's kind of red hot as far as the Indies go. There's also been a lot of, there's been some rumors about a possible stable of young grapplers that may include the likes of Daniel Garcia, Wheeler Yuta, and, uh, Oh, I can't. Oh, and Lee Moriarty. Okay, who just made his debut. Who made his debut? Well, he'll be on Dark this week, but he was that was taped before Rampage. So now and Daniel, one Brian Danielson, that might be the man to lead them. Ah, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Now, I didn't. I know that we you tend to not watch BTE being the elite. I haven't mm-hmm. been watching it for like a year, but I just randomly okay. decided to watch three episodes today, and I caught the most recent three because I was curious on what the Hangman and Dark. Uh, order storyline had been on there because I knew they had been very highly involved before that. And so I was like, let me see what's what's been going on over there. Right. And uh, and so I started watching it. But the thing I know, the reason I bring it up now is because the best friend segments are some of my favorites because it always starts with a random Dominic Toretto quote because that's <laughs> Orange's favorite. Right. Oh, yeah. And then it like the quote just comes on screen. It has no, nothing to do with what they're going to be saying in the segment. It's just there, and then it goes away. And then, like, we go to them sitting in the uh, hotel room or whatever, and, like, Orange is always in the background. Maybe, what's her, what's her name, uh, Kristen St- or Statlander? Statlander. She might be in the background, but it's just, like, it's Chuck 
berating Utah for all the bad things he's doing in the match and just like going over the tape and talk, talking about all the places he's got wrong. And he's like, he's like, I keep telling you, you have to get one, two, three, and then you win. And it's just like, it's, it's a lot of fun, but uh, I could also see where it would be an easy place to then play on, you know, splitting him away from the group if they need to at a quick pace, if he's just being berated yeah. by Chuck the entire time. Yeah. Well, Trent, you know, when, when Trent comes back and who knows what might, you know, how that'll all go down. Um, the death triangle and arguing about transportation and limousines feud with Andrade continues. Um, they talked in Spanish and then Pac stopped before they could be translated. So I, I don't know what the Lucha <laughs> Bros said. He wouldn't allow it. Um, and Pac says he's going to take care of Andrade at all out. Yeah. So we got that one to look forward to. That'll be awesome. I mean, I'm just glad that Pac's got a, something going on. I mean, and you know, they they kind of put this together seemingly pretty quickly with the a few segments of you know Pac just being annoyed at Andrade for some reason and like Andrade not delivering on things that he's promising. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I I feel like you know if anybody's gonna have a good match, that these guys should be two guys that can do it. Yeah, look out for that one. Um, Hardy family office got the win over best friends. Uh, it was all kinds of Gaga. Nyla Rose came in at one point and attacked Chris Statlander. Which confused reasons. the shit out of me for a second. And then it was because they had a match coming up like five minutes later. But well, And Nyla Rose is also always like on the fringe of the Hardy family deal. Like it's all, she's always she's always almost a member. It seems like it's, it seems like there's just always a reason for her to like be around when they're doing right. like whatever run in they're doing. Like she happens to have already been there or yeah, you're right. So but anyways, you know, big win for Matt and his land of misfit toys stable that he's got going on right now. And of course, um, Matt continued to, you know, steal the glory away, getting the win off of other people's moves and such, but this is true. Um, Andrade responds to Pac, calling him ungrateful. Uh, Chavo kind of cuts him off and Andrade almost seems, a fit, you know, not happy about that. He brings up with the first class in champagne. Um, Andrade tells Pac, be careful what he wishes for. So, but there was already like a deal where kind of like Chavo was like stepping on Andrade's toes and he wasn't like thrilled about it. <laughs> I'm so curious we'll if that is if that is like an angle that they're pushing or if that is literally just because they're <laughs> shooting this not fully scripted that Andrade, you know, maybe Chavo's like, you know, well, this is the point maybe. that I would step in. And Andrade's like, that's not the point you're supposed to step in. <laughs> yeah, that might could be. Uh, Chris Statlander got the win over Nyla Rose. Um, Vicky Guerrero literally just screamed Orange Cassidy like to his <laughs> knees. <laughs> you can't get that match. close to her, man. She's got she's no. got like three feet of damage with that voice that she can yeah, do. Who's the who's the inhuman girl with the, with the orange or no 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 it's black canary the, or something or you know the leader though who's the leader of the Inhumans that like says like one word and like oh, kills everybody. That, <laughs> black I'm, bolt. I'm, I'm mad that I like don't that? know. I think yeah, it might be something about bolt. I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, but yeah, that's the, anyways. Vicky, that that was impressive to me. Um, we get a promo with the Young Bucks mocking Hangman Page leaving. They say they've proven nobody is in their league. And next week it's going to be as easy as a – because they're still on this basketball thing. I, I don't know what the <laughs> basketball thing still is, but it's going to be as easy as a layup, which led to Luchasaurus yeah. blocking a basketball shot attempt, which <laughs> Brandon Cutler – uh, said it was all ball. <laughs> it wasn't a foul <laughs> after Nick had said it was. Um, no, this was. 
I I liked this. It was just it's it, fun. Yeah, you know, no, it was fine. And it's an it's another reason, I guess. You know, because because these guys are fucking around with this basketball thing, it gives you another. <laughs> you know, it's not just like they ran into each other in the hallway and they're angry. You know, it's just it it's something else. But are they, are they now traveling with a basketball hoop, just like in the prop truck? I'm curious, like if that was just something that they thought of after last week's promo that they're like, <laughs> we could have somebody interrupt us doing this, and that would be a good yeah. way to. So let's do it again, or. But because apparently on the the being the elite episode, they were talking right. about the uh, it was while they were also taping talking shop. So it's originally from that, uh, I guess. But it okay. was the good brothers and the Bucks discussing the promo from last week at the basketball hoop where they were tossing the basketball around. And they were mm-hmm. talking about how when they finished it, I guess when it aired, like Tony Khan was like, just he was like, that was the best pre tape in of all time in wrestling. Like he thought that was the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> so one of them made a joke about they're like you know Undertaker, Colin Nash. He's like nobody. He's like nope. Us with a basketball nope. hoop. <laughs> yep, dressed up like wrestlers. That's awesome. Um, we talked a lot about Britain Red on the Rampage stuff of the Dish, uh, but here they were also in Pittsburgh, um, and Britt Baker came out to a huge reception. This uh, big. Yes. I can understand why this was a little bit confusing because like the way that it timed out with the arrival of. Of, of the new show Rampage, yeah. But them also yeah. having a dynamite in Pittsburgh that they had announced before they had announced Rampage was a thing. Um, yeah. It made it a little bit confusing because, like you, th- I thought that her title match was going to be on a dynamite that came from Pittsburgh, right? And then all of a sudden there was this Rampage, and I learned that it's okay. And then like you started <laughs> texting me about like, so are they even in Pittsburgh with the Rampage show? And it's like, yeah, they're doing the same building twice in a row. It's weird. They just had been with the way they talked, made it just sound like, oh, it's you know the first rampage is in Chicago. Um, yeah, just yeah, that's the only rampage they'd been talking about. So it was like, oh yeah, this one in <laughs> Pittsburgh, we've got to get past too. You know. Oh no, yeah. The anyways, first, yeah, it was yeah. You're right. It's weird. But yeah, talked a lot about opinion about all this. Um, you know, good for Brit being as over as she is. I feel like we could have picked anyone besides Red Velvet to sacrifice <laughs> in this I don't know. Position. I feel like Red Velvet's doing all right, at least in the, the interaction that I've seen between the two. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she's not holding her own. I'm just saying here's a woman with a nine-match winning streak on Elevation and Dark who's supposed to be a baby face yeah. and has just completely had that role flipped on its head. In a spot where it was like, whoever this was, this was a yes. sacrificial lamb. They were like, going to, there was going to be people cheering for Brit regardless of who you brought like, in. You could have done Nyla again. Yeah. You could have given Penelope Ford some love. If you here. brought like, in Mickey just, James, she might have gotten booed compared to Britt Baker right. in there. So, I mean, whatever. Good for Red Velvet to get this opportunity. I had to talk about this a lot, but I'm just saying it was like, odd was, choice in my opinion. No, you're right. I was just impressed, though, with the way that, like, like obviously, Britt Baker's been great on with promos for a while now. Like it took mm-hmm. her a little bit to really get into it and get comfortable, but yeah. once she did, ever since then, it's just been she's really good at it. But oh, yeah. the way that she had this crowd so behind her that even when she was slyly insulting the city, they're like, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, you know, nobody else has championships. I represent Hope, and it's like, you guys, she is dogging on all of your teams right now. But they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> we don't mind." She's right. Um, oh. So anyway, the segment itself was fine. Um, Impact Tag Team Championships defended on Dynamite. <sighs> they just, they just crush my dreams every I, week. That I was like, so here's mad. a Dark Order match. Prepare to have your heart broken, Tony. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm. Every, it's. I get it when it's against the young bucks that you don't want that storyline to. But it's like, who gives a shit if the good brothers have these goddamn titles? Like, let let the fucking <laughs> let these guys win once. Yes. Good God. Anyway, Scott Demore. Just this. It, every week, something blows my mind about the things that are happening. Scott Demore, the executive of Impact Wrestling, mm-hmm. which even Meltzer always brings up how great of a spot this guy's had. Like his whole because he's like. In charge, but he's not actually a part of the office. He's like on screen in charge. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's the Jack Tunney. Weird... He's he's not like yeah. really in charge. Well, yeah, he's in, but yeah, he joins the commentary team. Excalibur mentions the dissension within the Dark Order. Um, we had kind of touched on that last week about the tweets coming from some of the members about how to handle Hangman and his request for you know to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Colt Cabana ran Cutler off. And uh, Kazarian also took him out, so he oh. really screwed poor Cutler over. Real quick, just because you mentioned the Dark Order, yeah. and we're talking about them here on Being the Elite, in the most recent episode, there was, uh, they, they revealed what Hangman actually... Because they've been trying to shoot a movie together, Hangman and the Dark Order, and it's, okay. they keep making these jokes about this hour-and-a-half-long sex scene that they... <laughs> They can't cut down anymore, otherwise it doesn't make any sense, and so they have to... It's really making the movie too long. It was like four hours for like a month. Uh, okay. But when this most recent hangman talking about wanting some space, he came in to grab his drink, he left a disc on the table, and then it was it was revealed on this episode that he didn't cut the movie, but he did cut them a new Join Dark Order commercial, which is like all the mm. hype spots of him and the Dark Order together. <laughs> and it was really cool and really sweet, but it was... It was a good, good, good closure moment for a little bit until you know, as he's going to be disappearing for go have a have a baby for a minute. We'll just leave that alone. Um, Gallows would toss a tag belt into the ring so that he could knock Stu off the top rope. So they distracted the referee though to do this. Yeah. I can't remember what the fuck I was, what my problem even was here. Who cares? <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, I haven't paid any attention to this QT Marshall angle, which really made this week's segment <laughs> not hit for me at all because I didn't realize we were at like bringing the children of people into it and beating them up, like level oh, of heat here. This, I I didn't I didn't know we were even having heat. Well, I remembered barely him dumping something on Tony Schiavone. Yes, you're right. I remember that. But yeah, after, I had yeah. not realized that they had been promising and then not delivering specifically on QT Marshall's apology for the weeks since. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I, 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 maybe it's because I'm again like you, kind of like I see QT and it's like, well, are we going to picture in picture? Can I go <laughs> yeah. do something else? Um, right. But yeah, when this uh, seg- segment started happening, I was just like, Jesus Christ, why is this? Why are we doing this? And then like they pull Chris Shivani in, and it's just like, what are we doing? And then well, <laughs> fucking Paul White's coming out. Like, uh, I was, I, I immediately texted to Sean. I was like, this is my worst nightmare that this is going to lead to an all out match for Paul White that we're going to have to sit through. Dude, it's going to be Paul White and Mark Henry. Just, I hope you're ready for Paul that. White, Mark Henry with Chris Shivani in the corner as like a, yep. a, a cheerleader taking, taking on. on the whole this, this group here. <laughs> Anyways, um, someone posted a video of like, this is the only like big show music. And it was literally just like a minute and a half of the where <laughs> just the fucking like a non like nonstop of that sound. It's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Nick Camarado, the caveman, and Aaron Solo attack Chris Shivani who I just know mostly from stories told on Tony's podcast with Conrad. So uh, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's funny to see him in person. It's like, oh, that's what he looks like. Just because, um, again, I I feel bad. I keep cutting it with BTE stuff here. But the, 
the other thing, the the wingmen, that mm-hmm. whole group. What's oh, the yeah, what's the, the brother of Ziggler's name? Nick Nemeth. Nick Nemeth. Or, no, 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 Nemeth? no. It's or is it Ryan? Fuck, I don't know. Ryan. I think Ryan, it is Ryan. I think, I think it is yeah, Ryan. Yeah, it's Ryan. Yeah. So either way, he like has. I don't know if he's just super creative or what. Like he has a whole. Se- he's got a segment on every week. And it's just these weird fucking like fever dreams about like cream and cream mountain and like climbing the mountain and finding like a god that gives him this cream and I don't know what it's a, it is. Sometimes it's to drink, other times it's only topical. He's brought okay. in the Nick Camarano guy a few times okay. in the most recent one, and it's like he was like being burned by the toxic cream. It is this weird shit. I don't, but it is it's so weird, but it's always very like individualized, and it just pops up in the middle of BTE. And it's been at least the last three of them have been pretty entertaining. Ah, interesting. Um, nah, that, that that is kind of. I mean, I'm sure that's leading to something. And um, then of course, showed, yes. the, the wingmen themselves have been trying to help out uh, P- pretty Peter, who is dealing with the fact that he misses Leva Bates and and has a crush on her, but can't admit it. Well, that's his fault. He, he's the one that messed that up. Um, we see footage. I was glad that they actually showed this because this is why maybe you should have just featured this angle on your dynamite show. But anyways, we go back and we see on Monday on Elevation, Joey Janela with the knife yeah. in the back of Sunny Kiss. It was uh, they, like the the day I texted about like where the fuck's Joey Janela been. All of a sudden, like <laughs> bam, this this uh, this angle happens. Well, because they've done like I feel like somebody must have gotten hurt or COVID or busy or yeah. whatever. He's been too busy. Kind of... He's been too busy trolling. Fucking what's his name from, from down <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, Drake. Drake. Um, because they'd kind of already broken up. Well, oh, had like, they? He'd kind. Of, he'd kind of already. He like left Sunny. Uh, like didn't help as oh, like there was okay. a, some kind of a beatdown taking place. I feel like, and then it never really got addressed again. So, gotcha. So here you go. That's that. So uh, we'll see where that goes. The fourth labor of Jericho, he beat Wardlow. I mean, it was, I don't know. I, At this point, I it's just clear that, uh, to me at least, the storyline is less who the the labor is, but just that Jericho is having to wrestle another match on, a week since yeah. having his last match. And mm-hmm. being at the age that he's at, it, it's t- taking its toll on Jericho, and he's, he's showing those signs. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good excuse for that. Um, so finally next week, he gets his match with MJF, and the stipulation is there's like... <laughs> no Judas no, in any no form. No Judas of any form. No music, no elbows. Effects. Yeah. No nothing. Uh, and then did you see Spears, this week? Yes. It, it, people have been tweeting out the lyrics of Judas... To try to get people to read them so that way they can it. sing it by themselves. And oh, they will. I, I mean, they probably will, but I just saw the tweet from, from MJF, which made me laugh, which was him retweeting that person, you know, subtly, you know, promoting this, but also saying, like, you fucking idiots, like, don't fucking do this. I said, no, Judas, this does, like, if you, if you start singing, I'm be so mad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're going to sing. Uh, Sean, <laughs> Sean Spears would attack post match. Sammy Guevara makes the save, but the numbers still overcame the inner circle members. MJF tore at the injured shoulder of Jericho and then revealed the stipulation. So, all right. Dead silence. We'll see what happens, I guess, right? I just watched that movie the other night. I still like that. Dead silence. Which one's that one? That's the ventriloquist dummies with uh, Sookie's brother. Oh, okay. The main guy. That's the movie that the title always makes me think of Don't Breathe, but it's instead Dead Silence. It's, and, it's, it's, and it's James Wan and Lee Wannell, too. It's like the... okay thing they did after you know saw i guess nice. um whatever sorry smackdown quickly here um i skipped it completely last week there's a few highlights the cena roman reigns segment 
Entertaining, yes. 26 minutes. Jesus, that Boy. was how long it was? They went to commercial and came back. And they kept talking. <laughs> I just because I've been to a live show recently of of SmackDown. Yeah. They probably they go to commercial, and I'm guessing they both just the lights went down, and they both went and stood in their separate corners, not looking at each yeah. other. Well, I mean, they had Roman came out, like John oh, talked, okay, and then okay. Roman came out, and then as he got in the ring, they went to commercial. But I mean, still, it was just like it was long. They, you know, you probably saw the line about him, Cena giving him crap about almost ruining Seth Rollins and running Dean Ambrose out of the company. Uh, Cena talking about when he wins the belt, he's gonna jump the guardrail and blow a kiss goodbye. I did see that call, know. yeah. So, I mean, you know, good stuff. And then, he, then Cena the, tweeted the image of CM Punk doing that like two days later. Roman brought up the missionary position thing again, even after they've removed all of that from replays. Oh, did the they show. really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because he got asked about it on a. I think he was on Pat McAfee's podcast, but anything. Yeah, talk about how Nikki Bella got sick of the missionary position, and that's why you know, that didn't work. I mean, they <laughs> they both went at it. I mean, like I said, it was pretty good. But it's just this is the difference in the companies, man. Yeah, one company gives you half an hour of an in-ring talking segment, and if that's what you like, I mean, <laughs> you're, you'll watch. But otherwise, man, uh, I don't know. King Nakamura DP is your new Intercontinental Champion, beating what? Apollo Cruz. Okay, yeah. uh, I think the think that done the apollo thing yeah they couldn't let Big E finish it but it's gonna be done by king nakamura for no fucking reason because this just i mean nakamura's been hot and they've been like yeah. commenting on him like winning and he's but i mean apollo it's just i feel like the biggie thing and now they're like all right listen we this isn't this isn't going because <laughs> man it just doesn't work like i know everybody's yeah. out there tiptoeing around this trying to be nice i feel like but he it sounds ridiculous when he taught when he cuts promos well yeah no of course but i mean that's, and it that's part of the deal is that's like that's why we're supposed to boo him is because he's putting on the fake accent well, but at the same time it's like if 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 you don't know that and you don't and you just think this is a guy poorly doing an, an a, a, you know an attempt at doing an accent for his character yeah. then it just seems like people are being racist and assholes and so it seems like a weird thing yeah so we just don't talk about it um anyway Seth Rollins really fun segment came out and he had a whole like video produced with voiceover and everything comparing how his career has been better than Edge's like oh, at nice. every turn comparing like, you know, when Seth came in with his trio group of the shield, how much more successful they were than the brood <laughs> when edge came in. And like, well, yeah. it was funny. Like as he went, you know, step for step, he kind of had a point, okay. you know, to some degree, it was still funny and well done. Edge wasn't even there to re- for like a rebuttal. So solid nice. stuff though. Baron Corbin's in the ring and, uh, says he may have soon have to file for bankruptcy. He says this will be the last time he'll publicly be asking for help, and he needs everyone in the crowd tonight to contribute at least $1,000. <laughs> and uh, he says he has a credit card reader on his cell phone. Oh. And uh, then Kevin Owens came out and just shook his, shaking his head and you know, says, who begs for $100,000? You know, like there's usually yeah. not like a certain number, and Corbin just says, I, I need it. It's what I need. And uh, Corbin says that he's not leaving the ring until Kevin gives him at least a thousand dollars. Did you see that uh, when they created the GoFundMe for him, it led to a page that was under construction due to him not having the money to pay the web designer to finish the GoFundMe site. Nice. That's good stuff. Um, KO says that, how about we have a match? And if I beat you, um, or if, you know, if, if Corbin beats Kevin Owens, he'll give him the money. But if he loses, he has to stop begging for money forever. Like that's it. 
From then on, you and, have to just be poor until you start winning yeah, again. Yeah, it has to be poor. Corbin says, okay. Owens hits a stunner. And then we go to commercial. So he's off to a bad start. Kevin would beat <laughs> Baron Corbin. After the match, Caleb Braxton interviews Baron and asks him, what's he going to do now? But all of a sudden, his eyes glance off camera. And he takes off running and grabs the Money in the Bank briefcase off the table in front of Big E and <laughs> runs out of the arena with the Money in the Bank Okay. <laughs> there was, there I was mean, a great we've, we've seen a crown and thus the title of king be thrown, yeah. taken away just by stealing. So in this company, who knows? He might legally uh, be the Money in the Bank man now. There was a good dot-com exclusive video of like the all-out of him like escaping <laughs> the building and celebrating, being like, I'm the Money in the Bank briefcase holder. I'm going to... I'm gonna cash in and become the champion, like as he yeah. was, like, you know, leaving the building. Nice. Uh, haven't heard a response from Big E at this point. Um, yeah, I was a contract want- signing as a main event. So, yeah, I don't know. Possession's nine tenths of the law. We'll see. And, I mean, we've seen John Cena just grab a contract and sign his own name on it. So, I mean, <laughs> it's who knows what that this he did. That he did, and Finn Balor hasn't been heard from since. <laughs> All right, so, is that it? That's it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bow-headed little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.